Get your pen and pencils ready for Doomsday Scenarios on episode 15 of So Many Insane Plays. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 15 of So Many Insane Plays. I'm Kevin Crone with Stephen Menendian. What's up folks? The theme for this show is all about Doomsday. We've got some primer discussion, we've got some tournament report action, we've got some scenarios to discuss. We're going to talk everything Doomsday today. Before that, though, if you want to contact us, you can follow us on Twitter at ManyInsanePlays or email us at SoManyInsanePlaysPodcast at gmail.com. We've got a jam-packed show today, and we don't normally have this many topics. We're going to cover some announcements. We've got multiple tournament announcements and some other stuff. We're going to talk briefly about the Bazaar of Moxon vintage results. The largest tournament in the world. No kidding. We're going to talk about Plane Chase, some noteworthy cards out of that for Eternal Formats. We're going to talk mostly, though, about Doomsday. We're going to have some Q&A with Steve about his recent performance with Doomsday at the Star City Open. my new Legacy Doomsday deck. With Legacy Doomsday, which is awesome. And we're going to talk a lot of scenarios. Then we're going to shift gears and move on to some vintage Doomsday talk, because we can never get enough of that. Yes. And some other stuff, too. And we have we have specific scenarios to go through. So Multiple this is going to be... scenarios today. That's right. Another scenario-heavy podcast, which I know everybody really seems to like. Yes. Our first announcement for today, though, is something we haven't had really before. A special guest star. Let's introduce our friend, testing partner, and tournament compatriot, Theo. Theo? What's up, everybody? I'm Theo. Like all of you out there, I'm a huge fan of this podcast. Hopefully, I don't make an ass out of myself, but I'm going to sit back, let these guys do their thing. If I have a stroke of genius, I'll chime in. (laughs) (laughs) And hopefully all of you could hear the air quotes there (laughs) on stroke of genius. So... Let's move forward with our announcements. So we got a couple of tournament announcements coming up just this weekend. Hopefully I get this posted in time. The Team Sirius Open in Sandusky mm-hmm. on Saturday, June 9. Always a good time. Uh, at least two or three of us will be up there this if weekend. If you've been fiending for some vintage, I and I know we all have, mm-hmm. you better show up to this, especially if you're in the Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania mm-hmm. region. So Team Sirius Open this weekend. Only a few short weeks after that, the next Mean Deck Open Vintage will be Sunday, June 24th. At Columbus, Ohio, Comic Town. Yep, our new Comic Town location. This will be the second one there. We got great feedback from that new store. Yeah. We like that place a lot. The last one was great. Yeah. And so come see us in Columbus on the 24th. Steve, you've got a Doomsday Primer coming up. Talk about that. Yeah, so this weekend I just published a Doomsday Primer. I've been working on this Legacy deck for seven months you know, and it's been published on EternalCentral.com. You, if you follow me on Twitter, you've seen me tweet about it. But be sure to check it out. It's 33 pages, and I just published or submitted today a supplement to it. And I'll be writing a tournament report. And everyone who buys the primer will get the free supplement and probably the tournament report as well. So highly relevant stuff, especially for this episode, but because Steve just had a great performance at the Star City Open with the deck. And last but not least, by way of announcement, now this is not an announcement relative to the show per se, but a personal note that Steve and I, within the next 
two months are both moving away from Columbus. <laughs> Steve, why don't you go first? Well, I'm heading to California in two weeks from tomorrow. To, I, I will be in the Bay Area. To reinvigorate the Southern California vintage scene, no doubt. I'm very, look, very much looking forward to it, and I know folks out there are on notice. <laughs> and much to my dismay. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, we're going to bo- both miss Theo. But yes, we are, which is part of the reason why we wanted to get him in here and enjoy <laughs> his company to the utmost. Absolutely. One last time. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to be moving back north to the land of my birth, the hand... <laughs> I'm going to Michigan. I'm going to be living in the Grand Rapids area. So for all of you fans out there who live in Michigan, I hope to be seeing more of you in person. And I'll be reaching out for some contacts in the GR area. So it's a little bit bittersweet. Steve and I met in Columbus. I moved away to Texas for a while, came back. We've been, we've been really enjoying and hitting the vintage scene hard in Columbus since I've been back. But now we're both going our separate ways. But we will continue this podcast. That's right. And as I said earlier, this is not a stoppage of show by any stretch. It's just we won't do it in person nearly as much as we do now. So that's it for announcements. Let's talk about the Bizarre of Moxon top eight results. Well, how many people showed up in this tournament first? It was well over 300. Yeah, 300 plus. It's consistently the largest vintage tournament in, in the, the world, world. Yeah. Uh, every year. Uh, the Bizarre of Moxon Legacy Tournament is also no slouch. It's huge. So, this top eight, though, we don't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about the whole tournament, but the top eight is really interesting. And for no small part, because Dredge won again. And by again, I mean another enormous vintage tournament right. a la So, I mean, from our, our perspective, it's won the last three major vintage tournaments. Right. The Vintage Championship last year, yep. the Waterbury, yep. and now the Bizarre Moxon. Dredge continues to put up incredible tournament-winning performances. But what's interesting is that it's not overwhelming top eights. In each of those tournaments, there was only one Dredge in each top eight. It's just it's people fight amongst themselves, basically, with these other archetypes, and then no one is able to seal the deal against Dredge, <laughs> and it just runs the table in the top eight. It's incredible. This Dredge list, though, one of the reasons why I wanted to bring this to the table is because this list is has some, in, yeah, has some innovation. Namely, it has zero Dread return. It does not have any Dread return package on I'm main deck or sideboard. I mean, you have to go way back, sort mm-hmm. of pre-future site, to see Dread returnless Dredge, right? Right. That's true. I mean, it's been a staple of the deck. And now this build has innovated with... F- two things, two keys. Main deck Leyline of the Void, which is not a new concept, but is a metagame call. What a weird thing, though. Well, maybe that's why this one won the event as opposed to all the other Dredge players. I saw that, too. I was surprised by that. Well, It's it's pretty dead against shops. Entirely dead. It's dead in a ton of matchups, but Dredge can live with a certain threshold of dead cards and not be affected that much, especially when you're cutting the Dredge return package. The other... Blue decks, though. Yeah, cutting off Yawgmoth's will, Snapcasters. You're going to cut off certain game-winning plays by other blue decks, like the really aggressive Yog will, or against certain TPS-style decks. You're going to really hinder them if you get that out. Mm-hmm. It's almost like blue decks playing spell bombs in the main sometimes. Yeah, to exactly. Edge against Dredge a little but bit. at least that does something else. But the bigger innovation for this list is the four main deck ingot chewers and an ancient grudge and an ancient grudge. This deck has five main deck artifact removal, and that is, in my opinion, a response to this, the ubiquity of Grafdigger's Cage, and also just gotcha. the overall strength of shops, which we know are very omnipresent in Europe. So this also has four blood gas. Which, yeah, I mean blood gas. That's a lot heavier. I mean blood gas is seeing some more play, but that four is a heavy this contingent. Is, this deck was heavily metagamed against shops. And, and Grafdigger's Cage in general. Right. So, and as you see, Grafdigger's Cage is in the main deck of at least one deck in the top oh. eight here. He also has four Petrified Field, which is a little... That, 
Well, that seems like a lot, but there are plenty of lists that have gone around that had two or three, and that's just a way to make you have give you better mulligan options. So this deck is basically just cut out the Dread Return package entirely. No Sun Titan, no Dread Return, no, right. and you can just jam a lot more in there. And it's focused on the most uh, the most reliable and consistent aspects of the deck. This deck is going to perform very similar in every game of this whole tournament, which is testament to his consistency in winning. Seems like the under beatdown plan. It is. With it's the a, blood gas, all the lands to trigger the blood gas. Yeah, seems I like mean, a much more aggressive. How many times when you're playing against Dredge have you have you got overly f- emphasized uh, against stopping the dread return yeah. or stopping them from quote unquote going off and getting the big turn when you suddenly just realize you're losing in two turns to six to ten zombies? Exactly. Or this guy can just play. I mean, he can play multiple blood gas. You know, hard cast them. Yeah, he has the game. more mana than most dredge lists do. Right. Now, I believe from reading the tournament report that he posted that he was not the only one playing this list. I believe there were a handful of people in the tournament. He said his friends came up with the list and he just played it day of tournament. Right. He has Unmask in the sideboard, too, yeah. which which Leyline supports. Yeah, that's a good point, so. too. Some good synergy with Leyline. You can keep that in and catch people unawares with their sideboard cards. This deck just seems like it's very good at fighting through sideboard hate. With the Wisp Mares in the sideboard. Gotcha. And Ingot Chewer is just inherent synergy, fighting Thorn of Amethyst and triggering your bridges. Doesn't take up a mental misstep either. Yeah. Like a Nature's Claim would. Yeah, none of this deck is going to get hurt by mental misstep, too. A couple of the sideboard cards, but you're not going to get beat by a, a cage plus a misstep. Yep. So I think nothing to fluster storm here. I think (laughs) unlike some of the comments that Steve and I have had about dredge lists in the past, over the course of the past year and a half, this one has more innovation or more modification toward the metagame. And I think there's a very good chance that a deck like this could become the standard for a while. Well, people see a tournament winning performance of this magnitude. This could be the dredge deck that you face in the domestic vintage champs. I have to say, playing Legacy a lot recently. You know, mm-hmm. more I played more Legacy recently than I played in years since the last Columbus GP in 2010. More mm-hmm. than I care to admit. Yeah, more than <laughs> Against Theo. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Students Day, kid. <laughs> but, I, I mean, it's it's really shocking how amazingly powered Vintage Dredge is compared to <laughs> Legacy. I mean, people want to play Legacy Dredge, like Jerry T, you know, others. Yeah. But Vintage Dredge is a whole different beast. Yeah. Much more consistent. It can fight through so much. Blazingly fast. I mean, you can counter a breakthrough or a careful study on turn one against Legacy Dredge. And they're going to they're gonna be slow at it. They're going to be gonna, slow Yeah, they're going to be slow rolling you for a while. And it's a cheap deck to put together, too. He's got no power. He also won the unpowered oh, I forgot. prize or whatever it Are was. Are you kidding they call me? It now. So he won five pieces power. of power, and then he won, he got like, we no won power, power nine. Yeah. He won the tournament and the unpowered prize. I'm glad you mentioned that. <laughs> that is a very good point. Yeah. yeah. Cheap deck to put together, minus the bazaars. Yeah. No I mean, kidding. It's so funny. Dredge can't win a tournament for five years, and then it wins the three biggest in a row. Is and, there any stopping this monster? And that, yes, 15 card sideboards. Yeah. <laughs> and that comment about being unpowered, I think that only sp- speaks further to the consistency of this list. You, when you go unpowered, you lose your Lotus, you lose Ancestral, you lose certain high-variance plays. But when you're not playing Dread Return, you don't want a high-variance play. You just it's want super consistent. You just want the same result on turn two every game. And you want it to be reliable, and you want to be able to count on your deck. 
And that's what this deck has in spades. A lot of four ofs. Yeah. I, I just don't get the Leyline of the Void. I'm not convinced by that in there. In, in my opinion, you need that to, to win the Dredge Mirrors. Mm. Dredge Mirror is a real oh, thing. Oh! So Leyline is here to win game one against Dredge. Yeah. That's I insane. I, I, I called that a couple of months back when people started winning with Dredge. I said, you need to be the Dredge deck that beats the other Dredge well, why decks Why not now? play Unmask main in Leyline of the Board? That's switch it. It's a metagame call, I think. <laughs> he wants to beat his... And perhaps yeah. he doesn't... I, I haven't examined the list in closely, but perhaps he doesn't feel he has enough black cards main That's interesting, because the decks like Mark Hornung played in yeah. the Champs, he used Elon... Elon Norsh? Is it, what is it? Oh, Elish Norn, you mean. Elish Norn. Yeah. Well, th- you're right. That right. was a Dread Return target that was designed to trump the other Dredge exactly. decks, and it's very good at well, that. Well, you just have Ley Lines, and you know, that's just right. much better. Right? But Modern. having... Having Elish Norn, it's the having Elish Norn is, is less is a less a lower variance way to fight other dredge well, decks. He has more sideboard space because he's moved so much artifact hate main deck. Oh, oh yes, absolutely. His sideboard has what the four unmasks and some wisp yeah, he, four Yeah, exactly. He's four. He has four unmask, three wisp mare, four chain of vapor, four nature's claim. Yeah. but he has the ingot chewers main deck, which are not stopped by mental missteps. So, so a lot of people might thorn, right. Like thorn. Pointed out. A lot of people might look at that sideboard Still and say loose. now he's got too much hate. But what I see it as is he's got very customizable hate. It's mm-hmm. not like he's bringing in 12 cards to have 16 hate cards in every well, matchup. Here's the lesson. He's bringing in the the correct 8 to 10 cards that trump what your opponent has. So he's just refining his deck every game. If your opponent has mental missteps, you can just swap out your chains or right, your... So it's not too much, it's And you can still have seven or eight removal spells. Yeah, exactly. You can have seven or eight removal spells in this list that don't get hit so by mental missteps. here's the bottom misstep. line. Put together this deck and put it at the top of your gauntlet. Yeah, and I make agree. sure whatever you play... You have game against this. <laughs> Public enemy number one. Right. <laughs> yeah. And Hence my 15-card sideboard. <laughs> and will not se- lose the dredge. And the second-place deck would have been well-served to take that lesson in advance because the second-place deck, which was basically Espresso Stacks, almost card-for-card card of what Chris Pecula won with in March out of the NEV. And that, unfortunately, his sideboard only had four cages for this matchup. <laughs> Which is about the worst possible answer. Yeah, for this particular deck. Yeah, I mean, he, he had a couple of things. He'd be better off with Nil Spellbomb. Or... <laughs> he had some Tabernacle, which is, against this matchup, actually something. pretty good. It is, yeah. But that's not good enough to get over yeah. the top on this deck. So the the finals was kind of distressing to watch, in my opinion. And we've got a scenario <laughs> for later on the podcast to talk about the finals. But, uh, but this consistency of the dredge deck won out over the shops. There's no doubt about it. Shop deck had multiple threats, good hands, I mean, good by any other measure, right. and just got rolled. So before we move on to the mud deck, the dredge yeah. deck's interaction is Cabal Therapy, main deck, Ingot Shure, and Ancient Grudge. Mm-hmm. It has one Ancient Grudge. And then it has in the sideboard Unmask. Oh, and it has Leyline. Yeah. Unmask, Wismare Chain, and Nature's Claim. So this deck is fairly interactive. It can hit you with eight discard spells, mm-hmm. take out your graveyard. And has plenty of. A removal suite, a full a removal, removal suite. suite. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the mud deck. Um, so th- what is distinct about espresso stacks in your view? The crucibles, Karn. The yeah, the three Karns, the four smoke stacks, the six spheres, lodestones, and metamorphs. It's it's. I, I didn't do it card for card, but it's probably within two or three cards of Chris's deck. From Interestingly, he has null rod in the sideboard, which is something I thought this the 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 trademark of espresso stacks was serum powder but it's not running that anymore i 
there's there's been a large debate I think that I've observed on the drain about whether or not that's a true statement or not, okay. <laughs> and I don't really want to rehash it here. I see what you're saying. Espresso stacks typically had that, and there are some mm-hmm. people who say when you take that out, it's not espresso stacks. I'm not interested in <laughs> debating okay. that particular point, but the point is, is it it does all the same plays that you know, typical he espresso has, stacks. He has does. one buried rune in one ghost quarter. Yeah, it's notable. Ghost quarter seems pretty annoying. <laughs> Ghost quarter, it's a little bit of a hedge, uh, and it helps in something like the dredge matchup, but not enough, mm-hmm. as the finals observed. So moving to third place, third face, third place was Bugfish, which I don't have any, any particular comment on. There are a million ways to tweak Bugfish, and this looks like a pretty good version of it. This looks pretty similar to the list that I played against in the Vintage Champs last year. Yes, I noted that as well. Pretty similar. I think he only had one Jace though in this event. Is that he right? has one Jace, which I th- is a travesty in my opinion. <laughs> it's just far too few Jace. Jace is a house. You yeah. got to play him. Yeah, I know. You got to play more than that. And then fourth place is Bomberman, which. The thing that I took away from that list was two-factor fiction. Hmm. Again, in the more Jace, more Jace hashtag, he I think. He has three Jace, though. Yeah. Three Jace and two <laughs> facts. Well, at least one of those facts should be Jace 4, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I do not agree with factor fiction. Steve and I tried it. And this, it works in this deck better than most, I'll give you that. But Why no, do you just, think that is? Well, because there's graveyard synergy. If you get into a mid-game scenario where you've got your, your yeah. uh, Bomberman online... And you need to find a spell bomb or lotus to go off. And he also has a main deck cage, so I mean things can go to the graveyard and then be recurred later. Yeah, I, I mean again, fact is best in this deck out of anyone, which is the only reason why it's seeing any play. Yeah. But man, I would if I was to fan open my opening hand, I'm going to be much happier to see Jace than one of those factor fiction. How hot does that fact look against a dredge deck playing Leyline of the Voids in the main? <laughs> <laughs> Another good example. Yeah. <laughs> Good game. Game two. <laughs> yeah, well, that's another thing I wanted to point out is that those ley lines might also be a tiny bit of a hedge against Bomberman, depending on this the, these, the designer's metagame. The fifth place deck is Fabian Moshewitz, Moshewitz Mud. Forge and he is known for winning these tournaments. Is he? He won, I think, he at least one of these, if not two in did, a row. Did he win with Forge Master? He, he's, he plays Mud every time, and he won, hmm. I think, two consecutive Bizarre Moxins. Wow. Well, he made fifth place, apparently, here. Fifth slash sixth through eighth, I guess. And this is a what looks like, again, a pretty typical Forge Master Mud deck. Just like Bug Fish, there's lots of ways you can put your mark on this one, but it didn't stand out to me as being abnormal. Yeah. Looks doesn't seem anything... Sixth and seventh place go to Snapcaster, Bob, Jace. Pretty standard fare again. So they run both Bob and Snapcaster. Yes. They're Snapcaster Bob decks. Yep. Which is becoming more popular. Yep. And then lastly in the top eight was Blue White Stoneforge, which I think is worth noting. Stoneforge has finally found its way into a major vintage top eight. I mean, it's not the first time, absolutely, but the Bazaar of Moxen is a major statement. That a blue white Stoneforge deck can make that top eight. So how did these? How did this tournament play out? Did you guys watch any of the games? I wasn't able to watch any of the coverage so, except for the finals after the fact. We should mention that all the coverage is available on Eternal Central, and you yeah. can watch all the videos. All the top eight deck lists and a number of videos from the top eight are available there. You watch for them, Vintage and Legacy. Four of the five, ma- a lot of the matches, four or five of them are, are watching the Dredge guy play. <laughs> oh. it, to me, it's like watching paint dry. I just can't stand watching Dredge. Yeah. I mean, it does what it does, but. Yeah, I mean, there's really Boring not much to, to be learned there. No. I did watch the Bomberman matchup against Dredge, and I will tell you that the Bomberman deck drew some some hateful hands and some good top decks, and still the Dredge deck fought through it. If you want to see this Dredge deck work its consistency magic, don't watch the t- don't watch the finals. Watch its match against Bomberman in the top four. Yeah, 
Wow. Good to know. So that's Bizarre of Moxon. If you want to know what's going to be setting the stage for the American Vintage Championship, go take a look at that top eight. I would say test against almost all of those decks. They're all perfectly well, good. The first two are popular. Just, should be the top of your metagame. Yeah, I agree. The top two work your way down. Bomberman's not so pop popular in the states, but it's still there. It's still there. It's going to be a small contingent in most local Fort metagames. Fort Master Mud almost no, sees no play in, 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 in American. In America. I wouldn't test against that if you've Probably got if you've got a choice. <laughs> <laughs> And then Snapcaster Bob Jace, if you want to pick just a random generic vintage control deck, that is it for now. Did you notice that the the Stoneforge deck has a factor fiction? What's up with that? No, I didn't. How many Jace? Three. Oh, yeah, that's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Plus one fact, plus one Jace? (laughs) Yeah, I would enjoy to debate that with some folks at another time, but in my opinion, that's wrong. All right, any other comments on this bizarre mox? And we got lots of show to catch up to here. Let's move on to talking about Plane Chase. Now, we don't have a whole lot of material here on Plane Chase. There are but 21 new cards. Yeah, and there are, I think, a couple of them that are worth commenting on relative to Vintage. And let's talk about the first one that I think is everyone's immediate favorite from this set, at least from a Spike standpoint, which is Baleful Strix. Now, for those who don't know, <laughs> Baleful Strix is the blue-black bird, looks like a crazy metal owl, and it's 2-1 Flying Death Touch when it enters the battlefield. Draw a card. Correction, 1-1. One, one. Now this is a very aggressive, very high value card on the value scale. And a lot of people have talked about it in numerous different contexts. I think in the long run, at least for Eternal, this card's going to result in maybe some niche play in one deck in Legacy. Maybe. It's quite clever when you look at something like Allurin or something like that, but as a value play and as a quote-unquote removal spell, I don't think it has any what place think, in Vintage. Dio? What do you think, Does it have Flash? No. No? no. So I was kind of trying to compare it to Winged Kotal, which is kind <laughs> of a, 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 a popular card of mine, but it doesn't have the cantrip like the other one you're talking about does. Yeah. Well, I think this card is really quite intriguing. I like the fact that it's an artifact in, in blue and black. I pitch, forgot to mention that. Artifact. It can pitch to force. Um, I think this card has, actually has potential. And I think, just for example, it can come into play. Can you make it a 5-5 with Tezzeret, Agent of Bolas? It's yes. an artifact. Yes, absolutely. And you can also you can. find it with the Tezzeret, Agent of Bolas in yes, the top five. absolutely. It certainly has synergy with things like Esperzoa or things that you know <laughs> will allow you to recur the CIP effect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Sounds like you're talking up the aggressive nature of the card. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, so what? what is the plan? I love the fact that it replaced itself. It's a death touch card. Mm-hmm. You know, creatures seem to see a lot of play right now. I don't know. So it's going to trade with a goif or something even nastier on your opponent's side, potentially. Exactly. It's a very good answer to Trigon Predator. Yes. It's a very good answer to Trigon Predator in an artifact-heavy deck such as an Agent of Bolas deck. So from that standpoint, but then the question is, do you want to be running the two? One, one. Flying creature against the Noble Fish style He's artifact two one aggro decks. Or one, one. One, one. Yeah, see, that's why I really like that. Uh, but it's at one, one. It it still just dies to everything. I mean, it straight up trades with everything because it's got death touch. So you have the death touch, so the power and toughness doesn't really matter, right? Right. It has death touch. It's not a good artifact creature though for two <laughs> mana in vintage. Definitely don't want to tinker for it. Right. He, You'd want to tinker it away though. <laughs> this is true. can be played under a lodestone and trade with a lodestone. Okay, that's that's a pretty relevant ability there. He it trades with kill, everything out of workshops. Kill a lodestone. I think this card is is pretty good against workshops. 
Okay, I'll buy and that. And I think it might, it, it, it would be C-play because of that. I love but, the fact that it plays itself. I love the fact that it's so cheap. It's a pretty grindy, long long advantage card against workshops. Which is what which, you often Which is need. what you want, yeah. sure, in a lot of contexts. What about its interaction with Goblin Welder? Well, if you can play the... this with Goblin Welder, you're just in the in the money. That's pretty spicy. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> spicy. Yeah. You get all the value that way. Yeah, that <laughs> card is insane with Goblin Welder. Uh-huh. Maybe Goblin Welder, like a Goblin Welder deck with this, is is someplace you want to be in Vintage in the upcoming metagame. Seriously. Recursive creature removal. Yeah, this card is insane with Goblin Welder. It's not even close. It's just broken. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're you're. how does a, a shop deck beat that card in Goblin Welder? Well, I'm of the opinion that once you get active Welder, shop deck's not I winning anyway. Idea. Yeah. How? <laughs> Guy's catcher's rig, <laughs> which is what? Guy's catcher's rig is the the, the the thing from Innistrad that comes into play and does four damage to, to a, creature, a flying creature. flying creature. That card is scary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was some technology that Theo had against Trigon Predator and other things. <laughs> it's hot. Yeah, it is. It, it has its place. It impacts the board immediately. That's right. It does. It does. You can metamorph it all day. I already all right. your Trigon. I think we've talked enough about Bail for Strix and Vintage. I, I, what about Legacy? I think I think well first I think it's gonna see do you think it's gonna see play in vintage top eights? No. I do. That I means, think Baleful Strix will see play in top A couple in of type months one. from now, I'm predicting zero copies. Steve, predict- how many are you down for? I'm predicting <laughs> at least one in the vintage top eight. Steve's down for okay, I'm sorry, I'm making notes here. Kevin is at zero. On the Strix? I think it's gonna, the, I think it's gonna show up in the vintage championship top eight. Whoa, in the vintage champ yeah. top eight? Vintage champ top eight. That's one. a bold Whoa, that's you're, one. you're way out yeah, on the I'm, branch. I'm I'm putting it out there, I'm gonna Steve's, it, on, Steve's on the hook I'm for on one the record. For one copy. I bet it's in your deck. <laughs> Steve's <laughs> official sideboard for Vintage Champs just became 14 cards. That's what's up. <laughs> All right, Theo, how many copies are you in for for Vintage Champs this Four. year? Four. <laughs> no, guys, this you is not like over. self-flagellation contest here. <laughs> I'm committing to card, zero. I think that there's going to be like you know how many how many workshops were there in the last vintage champ, championship top eight? Yeah, three. Yeah, you know this card is too good against for shops, and that's what you got to beat. You got to beat shops. And it's not, and it's good against the just the general creature trend. You this yeah. is a good answer to our Tarmogoyf yeah. in general. Yes. This is just going to be good. Period. If I mean, they if play Goyf. If you're playing a blue if red control deck, blue black red control deck, yeah. you you don't want to run. You can't run Goyf. Yeah. You can't afford to run. This card is just the all-purpose answer. It stops Trigon. It stops Goyf, and it stops all the shop annoyingness. Threatens Planeswalkers. It's, threat- it's a 2-1, so it will kill a Planeswalker a lot of the time. Oh, and it flies over other control decks creatures exactly. like Bob and Snapcaster. Exactly. It will fly over both those and kill a Planeswalker. And if they bounce it, all the better for you. Yeah, nice. Nice. <laughs> I'll draw another card. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I just think this card is too good. Well, I really do. I think it's on the precipice. We'll see. We'll see. I think yeah. you could convince some people that they want to run this as an answer to creatures. I'm very excited about this card in Vintage, I have to say. I think this card is going to be surprisingly good. Let's talk Legacy, then. Do you think I have a place in Legacy? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> i played so much Legacy, but I've been playing Legacy from the perspective of a combo player. <laughs> I was going to say, if it's not a Doomsday, he has no idea. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Legacy... No, it's no surprise. I played, I played Show and Tell and You Are Delver, but... Legacy is riddled with creatures, so yeah. obviously this has some upside in terms of just trading with anything. Well, the threshold for creatures in Legacy is actually somewhat higher than in Vintage. Like in Vintage Ironically. I mean, with the exception of cards like Mother of Ruins or Knight, you know, like, there are cards that are, see a lot of play in Vintage that don't see play in Legacy are more marginal. So also, I, there really isn't a deck that this goes in in, Le- in Legacy that's the at all. Problem. Like Legacy has its established decks: Rug, UR Delver, Maverick, you know, Maverick. Maverick. Um, this goes in none Zoo of Zoo has disappeared entirely over the last couple of years. Maverick took its place. Yeah, Maverick is really good. 
The closest thing I can think of to a deck this would go in is like one of the junk decks, black, white, green. I think this could but go into one of those really rogue decks. Like I said, what's the name of that deck that's Asperzoa and Serendib? Uh, uh, not Serendib or Free, but... Uh, uh, Windrake? Yeah, the expensive guy. Oh, okay. What's his name? Win- not, um, it's, it's not Windrake. It's not Windrake. It's Drake it's, something. Um, it's something Drake. Oh, shoot. Anyway. It's like the $200 portal card. <laughs> That's right. One blue and two colorless, four three flyer when it comes to play return, return two, two lands. lands your hand. It's two lands. Two lands, yeah. yeah. Like, a deck like that, that has Esperzoa. Skies. Is it just... Blue, it's not blue, Skies. Is it called it's something No, I'm thinking else. of another deck. Hmm. Anyway. So, you oh. think there's a place in a rogue deck, maybe. Alright, so let's put your money where your mouth is. How many copies of this in the Legacy... Champs coming up this summer. I have no idea. Legacy, I don't know. Theo? What are we talking about? The Strix? Still? The Strix and Legacy Champs. How many copies in the top eight? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say zero. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, that's what I predict. I'm going to go but zero. I do too. think, Bel- think Baleful Strix is going to be very good in type one. That is, isn't that hilarious? Well, part of it is it's, it's the interactions. It's the welder uh, and the in the lodestone golem. If ever so. there was an example of somebody who wanted to understand that, or wanted to impress upon someone else that vintage is not just turn one wins and oh, you play all your mocks and then draw seven, this discussion we just had is a perfect example of that. The Baleful Strix might be playable in Vintage and completely not in Legacy. Creatures are good again. Yeah. I don't want to rule it out in, in Legacy. Though. No, I mean, I'm the not. The Death Touch is huge. But the point I mean, is, is there's more of a place and more synergy, actually. And they see it coming, too. It doesn't have flash. Sea Drake. Sea Drake. Thank you. Thank you very much. Good job. So, let's move on. We've talked enough about Baleful Strix. Let's talk about Sakashima's student. Now, this is the Ninja clone. Forecasting cost, zero, zero creature. Is it blue, blue, two? Or blue, 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 two. Okay. With the ninja, ninjutsu cost of blue, one. Well, well, we know that blue, blue, two cards are playable in Vintage. So are oh, Temptation, Jace, you know. And we know that clones are playable in Vintage because of Phyrexian Metamorph. Yes. Although that one is more than a clone. But yes. still, we know that clones are playable. Mm-hmm. What about ninjas? Are ninjas playable? Paying one one in blue and one colorless to ninjutsu a guy, is I'm that playable? I'm going to play Baleful Strix and this card together. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you New archetype. Uh-huh. <laughs> Strix clone. To be very explicit, are ninjas playable you know in vintage? What? I think Bale for Strix might be nuts in blue black fish. Or bug fish. It could be crazy in bug fish. So, wow. Sakashima student. <laughs> yeah. You are going way out there. <laughs> if bug fish is seen. Pl- okay, Sakashima student. Yeah. This ninja this ninja cost is already played in vintage. Right. Because of Ninja the Deep Powers. So ninja Deep Powers sees play in fish decks. And sees play in that land, uh, land still deck. So, every individual aspect of this card that you can that you can segment is already played yes. in vintage. Forecasting cost, blue so the creature, is, ninjas. Is it better than Ninja of Deep Hours? That's the question, right? I think in the. the Landstill deck that you find Ninja of Deep Hours in today, the answer is straight up no. That's not the, the kind of function what? they want. If you're playing against workshops, don't you want this guy? This guy copies the Lodestone Golem immediately, right? Okay, maybe out of the sideboard, I suppose. But ninjas are coming out against workshops anyway. You don't want to bring in a ninja against if workshops. If you attack with your Baleful's tricks and ninja this guy into play, you can block and trade Blightsteel Colossi. Uh, that is such a corner case. Yeah. <laughs> that is such an unbelievable corner case. I'm just saying. Baleful Strix. <laughs> if they have, if they have Blightsteel, <laughs> if they have Blightsteel Colossus yeah. in play, okay, I'm just and you attack silly. and ninja with this guy, he's going to be tapped and you're going to die. Okay, so let's imagine a scenario. <laughs> What's the most likely scenario? You play like turn one Delver. Let's say you have Delver and you okay. attack with this guy, and you put in play. What are you copying? Well, there's if. If, if you, your opponent didn't play a creature and neither did you, then you have nothing. You get a zero zero guy. Okay, and it so dies. you can't actually use this in a super aggressive way. You Not have at to all. have something else in play. To, but, but to, in my view, if you're copying a Tarmogoyf, that's pretty good. If you're copying a 
Delver, that's not terrible, is it? Hold on a sec, though. Is it good if you paid four mana for it? No, it's not. Well, you're not. only paying two. You, you, so you're playing a deck that's right. attacking you past wanna, a Tarmogoyf. And you never want to return a Delver to your hand, because once it flips, you want to keep it that way. So you're attacking somehow past a Tarmogoyf already, and you're copying their Tarmogoyf now. I don't think no, that's no, that I think good. The, I think the best advantage of this is copying your own creatures. Okay. Which means, you know, that's that's how you really load so up. So you're right? playing a deck with evasive creatures and that you want to copy, which means you want to have two creatures in play when you attack with this guy in your hand. I got it. You want to copy your Bale Strix thing or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to play Delver, turn two Strix, turn three, yeah. attack with Delver and well, Strix, the ninja, the, ninja the Delver, and copy the Strix and draw a card. <laughs> there it is. And then replay Delver That's for three the third mana. So, I mean, okay, so it, okay. So let's set aside the Belfal Strix. So we're just being silly. <laughs> you don't want to return a Delver because you it'll... It has negative synergy negative with Delver. Synergy. What are you returning? The Decks that typically use Ninja are returning Fact- Snapcaster Mage. Yeah, Factories. Factories and Sage of Epiteer. <laughs> right. I'm serious. That's, that's so scraping the, best, the bottom of the barrel. The best use is returning a Snapcaster Mage, in my opinion, so you yeah. get to reuse it. So this is very synergistic with Snapcaster. But Snapcaster decks, they're either running two or three Snapcasters in an otherwise aggro deck, or Snapcaster is like the only creature in the deck. Okay, so let's imagine you're playing an otherwise aggro deck. So you're playing Snapcaster, you're playing like Rug. With Snapcasters and, and Goyfs and, and Trigons. Trigons. Yep. This seems like and a Bobs. perfectly appropriate place for rug. Bug. You see, This seems like a perfectly appropriate place for that as a one or two of. I think that... It's going to be good against shops. You know what would be really insane, actually? <laughs> but Is if you can attack with it somehow... The creature they don't block, you copy Trigon Predator. Yeah. That's going to be a blowout. It is. Why do you want a ninja instead of a Phyrexian Metamorph? That's the trick. It's cheaper. In order to it's no, cheaper. It's not. It I mean, Phyrexian Metamorph costs three though. Yeah, but and you don't have to have a guy in play. Blue one to ninja, though. and it's and you an can artifact. Play on separate turns. Play if, you, on if you're beating shops, you want a three casting cost artifact. Not they can a have two twenty sphere resistance in play, and it only costs two mana to ninja it. Except you had to get other guys in play to get through their guys. Right. So you played like a uh, Mistress Factory or whatever, which yeah. is terrible against yeah. shops as an aggro card. But one of those creatures is going to get through. I don't know. I think I think it's a bad example. You don't want to be well, trying well, to ninja trying this to card against the situations shops. in which you might be, you know. So what what are the circumstances under which this could be played? Where you can eliminate decks that just use Delver. I think the best creature to return is obviously Snapcaster Mage. So you want to be building a deck that is a little more controlish, maybe, and returning creatures for value. But what are you copying? Well, so that's two, my question. Then. We're, we're running round circles. There are, well, but, there are two well, questions. But hold on, though. You, if you copy a Snapcaster, you do get its ability. Okay. So ninjing a copy. Of a Snapcaster. I mean, Ninja-ing this in as a Snapcaster is still a value play. Can you play. copy the card you return with Ninja? No, or is it, it won't okay. be in play. So here's, there's two questions. The first question is, what are you returning to your hand? And the mm-hmm. second question is, what are you copying? Right. And we have to answer both questions in a sufficiently positive way to conclude this card will see play, so right? So Snapcaster is high on the list of returns. Yes. You can return miscellaneous other things that are just getting in in the earlier mid-game, like a factory. Yeah. But you don't want to return a Delver. You probably don't want to return a Goyf, because then you have to replay it. Right. You probably don't want... You're not going to return it. You definitely don't want to return a Trigon Predator. Right. You probably don't want to return a Dark Confidant, so I'm not sure what you want to return. If all you want to do is copy something, isn't Phantasmal Limits just better? That's the question, though. Yeah. Is, well, Phantasmal and Metamorph with the creature. So are the, much the more proactive. So the competition is Phantasmal Image and Metamorph. And Metamorph is pretty established as not being a factor in any of the modern control decks or aggro decks. Right. And Phantasmal Image has seen no vintage play, so... Uh, yeah, it's a one or two of somewhere. 
Okay. I'm going for one in the top eight of champs. <laughs> <laughs> to go with your four Baleful Strix? Yeah. Synergy. So okay. I think I think we've pretty much uh, addressed this one, but I do want to say there is one corner case which I screwed up just a minute ago, and someone's probably already furiously typing at me about this. If you are attacking with a flyer over top of their Blightsteel Colossus. Yeah, which we already talked about. I know, but I said you lose because your guy's tapped, and I didn't realize the fact that you're hitting them with your Blightsteel Colossus yeah. first. So that is a game-winning oh. play. I, I've said something stupid, which is your oh, guy's tapped, boy. and forgetting yeah. the fact that you're just yeah. about to hit them with a Blightsteel exactly. Colossus. So this is a way to sneak in so a Blightsteel Colossus. It also can it also can help deal with Planeswalkers, too, right? You could copy a larger creature that they're not expecting. Right. Yeah, that's true. So you could get... You could surprise people that way. Well, we'll see. I mean, so surprise is, factor. This has that. Let's that not ask the question. Vintage champ eight, champs yeah. top eight. But will this see play in vintage top eights in the next three months? Broadly speaking, I would say no. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with that. I'm gonna say negative on that. I'm gonna say unlikely. That's not a number. <laughs> I need a number. I'm gonna say there probably be. I just don't want to rule it out, but probably zero. But, I think we all so how many baleful tricks in, in vintage top eights over the next three months? I'm still going with zero. Oh, I think it's going to be at least... I'll say at least three in vintage top eights over the next... Is that the count of the Strix or no, the appearances? The number of appearance decks with Baleful Strix. Three decks are going to make top eights in the next three months? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Theo? I think I'll go with the under on that one. <laughs> okay. Zero or one? Uh, the under of three. <laughs> Less you have than three, three choices then. <laughs> Less than three. Zero, I got you. You know Vegas style betting. I'll take the under. All right. All right. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, and then let's talk our, our third contender from Played Chase, and this is not a vintage thing, but Shardless Agent is the blue green Cascade Gray Ogre, and the only reason—well, not the only reason, but the primary reason—this card is relevant is simply because it's another three casting cost Cascade card that goes into Hypergenesis decks and Legacy, and, and makes their deck just more consistent and have better mana. Yeah. So I don't think is this, this Plain Chase legal already. Yeah. Okay, so that's it's legal. The day it comes out. That's yeah. what Jerry T was playing this past weekend. Yeah. yeah. A lot of those Star City guys were playing that deck. So this card, we don't need to debate whether or not this card's playable. It already is. So the next question is: Is it going to become? Is it going to make that deck much better? Does it dramatically Seems like it change? Already has. Can't hurt it. Jerry made top the ninth place. I think it so. obviously makes it better. Yeah. But is, do you think it's because of this card, or just because oh, yeah. he built a good deck? I mean, it's Cascade in blue is better than Cascade in non-blue, right? It pitches the force. Yeah, that's true. So it does increase the consistency in multiple ways. So it's not yeah. vintage relevant, but definitely been you got definitely legacy playable. Six or eight of the same yeah. Cascade spell plus they pitched a force. So it's not so much about how much how playable it is; it's that this card is now a staple in that deck, right. and we'll see. We had originally thought to talk about M13 in this episode, but we only have part of the spoiler out, and we have some potentially interesting cards, but we're going to hold off on that until a future episode. Next up, we do have our Doomsday Q&A session with Mr. Menendian here, and we've got lots of material to cover, lots of that came in from your questions on Twitter or email, mm -hmm. and so we want to just cover a lot of bases with this deck. I've got them broken out in some broad categories here. The dead deck in general, certain cards in deck construction, metagame consideration, and then we've got some scenarios to talk about too. So let's start at the top though. Steve, talk broadly about this Doomsday deck, how it came about, why it's good now. So the original idea for this Doomsday deck was to port my vintage Doomsday deck, <laughs> which is built around Laboratory Maniac. And Laboratory Maniac Doomsday is a tutor for Laboratory Maniac that also happens to reduce your library to the point where Laboratory Maniac can win. 
And in, in Vintage, you can win Im- immediately with after playing Doomsday with just a gush mm-hmm. in Laboratory Maniac. In Legacy, I was skeptical that it would be playable because you don't have Gush, you don't have Black Lotus, you don't have Yawgmust Will, and you don't have Ancestral Recall. <laughs> so that seems to take out a lot. You need to accomplish a lot. Right. So I started out with some you know, some suggestions that a teammate made who first attempted to try and port my deck, and he had a much more like snapcastery, aggro controlish list. And after some testing, I decided I wanted to go focused combo control. Mm-hmm. And I tested a lot of different things, show and tell, you know, and then after months and months and months of testing and months of torturing Theo and <laughs> tested that and uh-huh. others, finally tuned this this deck list. And the core of the combo is Mental Note, Laboratory Maniac, and Unearth. So that Mental Note, which you put in the pile, will will put Laboratory Maniac into the graveyard and draw you the Unearth. And then you play the Unearth, and then all you need is a draw trigger to win the game. So the basic rule is that you play... Go ahead. I was just saying, can you talk about why you play Mental Note or Without Scour? I will. Uh, so... I ri- the deck was originally conceptualized with Mental Note, and then I think Thought Scour was printed mm-hmm. as I was working on this deck. Right. And then, so I went to Thought Scour, but the Rise of Misdirection means that I, I, I want to play with Mental Note instead because it's not target player. You don't want to get your Mental Note misdirected. Right. So, um, the, yeah, the basic core synergy is Mental Note into binning the Maniac, drawing the Unearth. Um and the basic rule for the deck, which I cover exhaustively in my primer, is that when you play Doomsday, you need two mana and two draw triggers to win the game. So it's the, it's the rule of two mana, two draws. <laughs> <laughs> and so, for example, you go Dark Ritual, Doomsday. What you need is a, the first draw trigger to draw the top card in the pile. Mm-hmm. And then you need two mana to play Metal Note and Unearth. And then you need one more draw trigger to... Uh, to, to deck yourself. To deck yourself and win the game. So this is an example of how it might play. It's turn three, and you go third land, dark ritual, doomsday. And then you get Taxium Probe to draw the mental note. And then you mental note, binning the maniac, drawing Gitaxian Probe. Then you Gitaxian Probe to draw the last card in your library, Unearth. And then you play the Unearth, and then you tap a top or play another Gitaxian Probe and win the game. Mm-hmm. So you need two draw triggers and two mana after Doomsday, post-Doomsday, to win the game. That's it. That's all you need. And there are basically two ways to do it. One is you win the same turn you play Doomsday, or you can pass the turn. And if you pass the turn, you've naturally satisfied one of the criteria, the first post-Doomsday draw trigger, mm-hmm. which draws you the first card. So the key to the deck is figuring out when to try and win the same turn you play Doomsday and when to pass the turn. And the key answer to that is... Look at the board and see how much damage your opponent can do. <laughs> if it's early in the game and your opponent can't do a lot of damage, then it's often best to pass the turn. Um, so, for example, if you're playing as you are Delver, and they have like a, a Delver on the pl- on the table, and you think maybe they can burn you out, and you're at 19 life, go for the Doomsday. Sorry, they can't burn you out. You're at 19 life. You're going to go to eight. So you might as so, or you're going to go to. If you're 19, if you're 19 life, you're going to go to nine. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to be able to do more than six damage. You might as well play the Doomsday now, you know, and then go for the win. Um, that's really the key to the deck. Um, and there are a number of piles, but the other thing that's very important is that um, the Doomsday doesn't just tutor up the combo; it actually tutors up protection. 
So probably the most important pile that you create is brainstorm, mental note, laboratory maniac, your pact mitigation, laboratory maniac, and then unearth. Mm-hmm. And the idea is the first draw is brainstorm, and you brainstorm into the pact of negation, taking an extra useless card in your hand, whether it's a, you know, a dark ritual you're not going to use, or land. A, a land you're not going to use, or an extra doomsday, and you put that into your deck, drawing, putting the pact of negation in your hand, so you have protection uh, when you go off. And the deck has been designed with lots and lots of counter magic, so that you can play. Basically, when you play Doomsday, you're going to be able to protect it with a Divert, a Spell Pierce, a Misdirection, or a Force. Mm-hmm. So, in the, you know, in a typical situation, you'll go maybe turn one top, turn two, land Dark Ritual Doomsday, protect it with Divert or Spell Pierce, and then turn three, win, protecting it with Divert or Spell Pierce. I've never played the Doomsday deck, but all the testing we've done, I would like to say that uh, having a top in play is like having a pseudo counter spell. Yes. It's an instant draw that doesn't cost you any mana. I don't know how many times you've beat my double plow by having a top in play. Theo makes a great point. Top is one of the most important cards in the deck. Yes. Most amazing cards in the deck. It yes. serves multiple purposes. It serves it multiple purposes. It helps you find the, the, the doomsday, but it also is protection and it tri- it triggers the, the maniac and each additional top is essentially a counter spell for a burn exactly. spell or a plow. Exactly. So you get four tops in play and you can beat four <laughs> For, uh, for Instant plows. speed card draw that costs no mana. Yes. And you can actually use the top to draw the first card as well in the mm-hmm. Doomsday Pile, uh, which some people don't know. Top is key. <laughs> top is key. So that's the basic overview of the deck. The Doomsday tutors for the Maniac, tutors for the combo, and create, gives you counterspell protection in the pile. So you talked about the key understanding of when you try to go for it now versus yes. past the turn. How fast is the deck in general then? Well, the deck, so the night, the night before the tournament, and I've been working on this deck for seven months, I did 20 goldfishes. Uh, and the, the goldfishes were not designed for speed, but I was actually doing the goldfishes for mechanics. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, after weeks and months of playing against Theo and others, I had been tuning the deck and designing the deck and making changes, and, and I hadn't really been focused on sort of how I play the deck. And I really wanted to be cautious about playing quickly. I didn't want to get called for slow play. So the whole point of my testing the night before was I wanted to figure out a way of playing the deck that was efficient. And I came up with a way. But in the course of doing that, I was keeping track of my life and the number of turns it took me to win. And the average number of turns, after adding up all the turns that I won the game on, not the turn I played Doomsday, but the turns that I literally goldfished. Mm -hmm. And again, I wasn't goldfishing for speed, but goldfishing for protection and resilience and everything Mm -hmm. else, is 3.47. So it's it's faster than that, because if you're just goldfishing for speed, the deck is capable of winning on turn two. I can attest to that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you can win on turn two many ways, and we can talk about, I can tell you what those are. But the deck is basically the fundamental turn is turn three. Mm-hmm. Um, that's there are some times though where you don't have a dark ritual, and what you'll need to do is you'll need to fetch out an island, a swamp, maybe a second swamp and a sea, mm-hmm. and you play turn four doomsday hard casting it with one blue mana up to protect with spell pierce to divert, mm-hmm. and then you run turn five. So the deck should should never really go past turn five, but you winning on turn two, three, four, or five is typic- is almost you know ninety percent of the cases with this mm-hmm. deck. And in that case, you probably need one counter spell. I mean, how many answers are they going to have to a maniac within the first two or three turns? Exactly. Right. The faster you win, the the less protection you need. But exactly. the, and the the deck, the deck is designed to tutor up one protection spell, the pact, and then have another protection spell in hand. Mm-hmm. So in the vast majority of cases, you have two counter spells mm-hmm. when you go off. I will say this though that. 
I think in the hundreds and hundreds of games I played, I can't remember a single time Doomsday has been countered. Doomsday. I played against UR Delver relentlessly, Rug relentlessly, and Show and Tell relentlessly. Maybe the Show and Tell. I don't think the Show and Tell deck ever countered Doomsday. I don't think it did. We didn't so, play that many games, though, with Show and Tell. Yeah, but, uh, you know, so the Doomsday, it's weird in Legacy. There's so fewer counter spells. It's like compared to Vintage. Vintage is like you expect to get that Doomsday countered. Or right. There's going to be at least a counter spell targeting it. In Legacy, that just doesn't happen. What happens is that people will attempt to bolt the Maniac or blah, blah, blah. You always have counter magic for it because the deck has a super high number of counter spells, just like my Vintage one. Right. One of the things that, that you know, um, you know, so I have three spell pierce, two divert, two misdirections, the pack, a pack negation, and four forces. So you're basically, at the end of the game, always sitting with some counter magic that you use to prepare. And you really need to win quickly because you want those spell pierces and diverts to be active. In Vintage, decks tend to have counter magic more than removal. Drains, fluster storms, In Legacy, it's the stuff. reverse. Exactly. I think that's where Probe is key, too. You know what you got to beat. Oh, yeah. Exactly. So Probe plays a huge role in my deck mm-hmm. because it, tr- it, it activates, it gives you the information you need to make the perfect pile and it triggers the Doomsday. It's, sorry, it allows you to, to either trigger the Maniac or draw the first card in the stack. So mm-hmm. it's one of the post-Doomsday two-draw triggers. Right. We had a lot of questions about specific cards. Mostly about why didn't you kind of questions. Sure. Talk about Limduel's Vault. Okay, so someone suggested Limduel's Vault. I did not actually test Limduel's Vault. In my primer, I talk about maybe like 40 cards that I tested. So mm-hmm. it was an extensive discussion of cards I tested. Um, Limduel's Vault is a very interesting suggestion. Um, I think that it's certainly something you could use. You could set up, you know, the Dark Ritual and the Doomsday very quickly. I just don't think it's faster than going through the cantrip motions. Right. One of the questions that someone had asked that I you, uh, that I'll just jump to is, how do you find the Doomsday consistently with just cantrips? Mm-hmm. Right. And someone said someone said that mathematically you can't do that. They're wrong. They're completely wrong. <laughs> you did it, so they must be wrong. There's an article. Um, by, I think, Adrian Sullivan, years ago. Remember the Singleton Brainstorm article? Right. He wrote one of my favorite theory articles of all time. <laughs> his whole point was that Brainstorm plus Fetchland means that you can find a Singleton in your deck by turn three with a high degree of consistency. Like, because you see so many cards. Do you remember that article, vaguely? I don't, but it sounds like a really good one. And you have more I, than just Brainstorm. Right, I run four mm-hmm. top, four Brainstorm, and four Ponder. And probes. And probes. So the general rule of my deck, and I say this in the primer, is if you don't have a ponder, a brainstorm, a top, or a doomsday in your hand, you have to mulligan it. Yeah. I don't keep hands that don't have one of those four cards. But how many hands don't have one of those four cards? Very few. Very few. And if you have a top in your hand, you have nine fetch, I have nine fetch lands in the deck. So you shuffle all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, if you watch the feature match, that was actually a game where I was scared I wasn't going to f- be able to find Doomsday because I played, like, Ponder, Brainstorm, Top, and Shuffle twice. I still couldn't find a Doomsday, but I found it at the very end, you know, of, of multiple can-tripping. It's just not true. You will find a Doomsday. If you were to sit down right now and goldfish the deck and just and follow that mulligan rule that I just announced and mathematically figure out how soon do you find Doomsday, how soon can you get a Doomsday into your hand, it's, like, well over 90% by turn three. Yeah, seems so to make sense. That, if you follow those rules carefully. If you follow those rules carefully. So that, that person is just wrong. You just need to be adept at manipulating Ponder, Top, and Brainstorm. You can't just be using those cards poorly. You need to be focused on finding Doomsday. That's your goal, your mm-hmm. objective. 
And you can't worry about like what your opponent's doing because your opponent probably isn't doing anything relevant. And it's legacy. <laughs> Most you know? of the creatures involved do not directly impact your ability to find or resolve Doomsday. Exactly. And they're not like countering your cantrips or interfering with your cantrips. Right. I mean, I just you pretty much have free reign to manipulate your library as you want. Most of the time, I have no idea what the heck, what's what's going on. <laughs> That's true. The rogue value <laughs> of this deck is master from the Star City. Even the commentators didn't know what was going on. It was great. The rogue value of the deck yeah, is very high. But when you reveal, value. you reveal nothing. You reveal like brainstorm, ponder, and top, and people don't really know what you're doing. You could be playing mm-hmm. almost anything. Exactly. So. Let's talk about the mana base very briefly. You so mentioned the, the fetch lands. I guess to answer the point, though, is Limb Duel's Vault I don't think is necessary. It's nice, but just not necessary because you find Doomsday with such consistency with those cantrips and shuffle effects. I would argue even after you play Doomsday, they still don't know what's going on. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. By the time they figure out, it's too late. Ironically, because of the way the combo is set up, you don't give them any information by sh- by handing them 50 cards out of your exactly. deck either. No. You wouldn't because believe you hand them people... 50 cards that look so just like what, everything played, you played. I played nine rounds, and every game I'm just like, here's my deck. Uh-huh. And people look at it, and they're eventually just bored. They're just yeah. saying, there's nothing, they have no <laughs> idea. If they watch your feature bash from the Star City, you walk the, your opponent right into to the win. We'll talk he about that in a second. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the mana base. Someone asked, have you considered Dark Slick Shores? Tell me what that is. That's the one from Scars of Mirrodin Block, the blue-black dual land that if it comes into play untapped if you control three or fewer lands. So it's just a dual land. I can answer that one. Yeah. Okay. Seems inferior. So it's just a dual land. It doesn't accumulate no. anything? No. It's just a, it's just the, the Scars of Mirrodin block dual land. To lands. get around choke. Yeah, it's not uh, an island or a swamp, though. You're pretty much to a choke. Yeah. I, I mean, you. how many times have you played choke That's against That's what I'm me? saying. Well, so this man right here has choke. played choke against me in how many games? And how It was no good. I, I, have, I have a feeling that some people would look at your mana base and say, look at all those basics. Can you get a better mana base than having all those basics? It's the exact opposite. Right. It, and the point is that the, the one of the points of this deck is you want all basics. You want to be fetching out... People in this format don't play Ghost Quarter, at least very much, so right. it's just Wasteland. So if you you really want an island and a swamp into play in the first two turns. That's why I don't play days. In fact, a lot of the time, you want to play swamp first. Like, I'm perfectly happy playing turn one, Bloodstained Mire into swamp top. Mm-hmm. That's And then I'll use that swamp to top every turn, yeah. and then I'll fetch out islands after that. So whereas many decks would consider their basic lands to be filling in gaps in their duels, this is yes. the reverse of that. Yes, the you duels fill in out. the gaps. It's yeah. the, the duel land's the last land you play. Now, if you're playing against a, you know, a combo deck or a deck without Wasteland... Go nuts with underground seas, right? But you know, but the the rule, you know, and again, you do. You, it's, the, the mana base is probably the trickiest, one of the trickiest parts of playing this deck, as I'm even messed up in my video feature match, which I'll talk about in a little bit. But the basic rule is you want to be able to, you want to start with an island in a swamp, and then you need to be very careful about what comes next, because you will need often two or three blue mana to win, because you need the metal note and you have spell pierce and divert. Mm-hmm. You know, off the bat, so you'll often need two blue mana and a black to win. Yet, you sometimes need to hard cast the Doomsday when you can't find a Dark Ritual or Cabal Ritual. Mm-hmm. So the third mana may very well need to be an Underground Sea, or maybe you just need to keep the Fetch Land in play. But you might need to use the Fetch Land to, to shuffle for top. So <laughs> and when, be very careful not to cast Doomsday with a Fetch Land sitting in play accidentally. Right. You need. <laughs> you'll do that very, very often deliberately, but not accidentally. Right. So the the manipulating the mana base is possibly the most trickiest part of playing this deck mm-hmm. because you have to plan so far in advance and you need to weigh the costs and benefits of every land drop. If you get wastelanded and you doomsday and you only have two mana, you will lose the game. Mm-hmm. 
because that you won't be able to un you know how many games I did that happen to me before I finally learned. I had a lot of live draws. <laughs> I, I would just say that yeah. I I learned this deck through lots and lots and lots of practice. And I think testing against Maverick really helped you out as well. Yeah, it's probably your Maver- worst matchup. Maverick is one of my worst matchups, but I went three zero against it at the Star City Games Open. Because I tested so thoroughly. That's an advertisement for testing right there. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Thank you, Theo. B- but the the bottom line is, though, that... I'm uh, here to help. <laughs> the, the mana base is very tricky. You need to be very careful in manipulating it. And every land drop is in land play is very critical. Speaking of complicating your mana plays, what about counterbalance? Well, counterbalance is an interesting card, but I just don't see much value from it. I mean, the deck is so focused right now. The counter spells that exist, you, you're not sitting there playing a control game unless you're against combo, in which case you win anyway because you have so many more counter spells than they do. Your goal is just to have enough counter magic to protect the doomsday and protect the combo. Mm-hmm. And that's all you're single-handedly doing. In fact, this deck has almost no interaction with the opponent. Tendrils of Agony targets a player. Mm-hmm. Laboratory Maniac doesn't say your opponent loses. It says you win the game. Mm-hmm. You could be in a 100-player game, like all those large games. <laughs> Battle Royale. Battle Royale. <laughs> I trigger Maniac. You're all out. Goodbye. <laughs> you know, so the deck is very much singularly focused on protecting you, and it, does, it doesn't really care about the opponent very much at all. You mentioned Tendrils, of course. Why not the Storm Kill? Well, this Storm Kill is so easy to disrupt, right? I mean, if you counter the card that finds the Tendrils, you lose. Fluster Storm. Fluster If you play Aether Sworn Candidates, you lose. Gadok Teague, you lose. Leyline of Sanctity, you lose. Orm's Chant, you lose. <laughs> you know, this deck beats all of those cards. If you can't count to 10, you're, you're screwed. Yeah, you've got, to, you've got to count to 10. It's not easy. I mean, that's one of the key things. The Storm Doomsday deck... Are you asking me about the Storm Doomsday deck, then? Yes, absolutely. The Storm Doomsday deck is very complicated. The Doomsday piles are almost impossible to play. So you, have to, you have to count, calculate mana and Storm. And you have to figure out exactly what your mana needs are because you've got Burning Wish and Orm's Chance and, you know, Ideas Unbound you have to play. You've got four or five colors you've got to, you've got to think about in every play. And it's like long. More requisites for what needs to be in your hand, too, when you right. try to go off. When you play my Doomsday deck, which I think is the best Doomsday deck in the format, obviously, just like I think that my Vintage Doomsday deck was the best, and there were still people who thought that you should play with the Tendrils version... Mm-hmm. You have to calculate your mana needs for the Doomsday Pile. But you don't have to calculate Storm, and you don't have to calculate all these different colors of mana. It's basically, I need blue, 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 black to win, you know? And the draws can come from any source of draw. Any source of draw, exactly. How fast can those Storm decks go off? Can they go off turn two or three? Well, I think theoretically the Storm deck could win on turn one with, like, Dark Um, Ritual, Lotus Petal, Triple Lion's Eye Diamond, right? I mean, but my deck can win on turn two, easily. Mm-hmm. So there's two way, two main ways you can win on turn turn two. First, you go turn one, Dark Ritual, Doomsday. Turn two, land. Remember, you pass a turn, so that satisfies the first draw. So you've drawn the first card in the pile, mm-hmm. and then you mental note, you know, and then probe. You, you draw probe, and then you... You can draw probe first, or you can mental note into the probe. Mm-hmm. I typically like to put the probe at the top, but you probe... With the, the probe that you stacked into the pile, drawing Metal Note, play Metal Note, binning Maniac, drawing on Earth, playing mm-hmm. it, and then with the probe in your hand, you play the probe and win the game. Mm-hmm. So you can win that way on turn two, or you can win on turn two with Double Dark Ritual, at playing Doomsday on turn two. Right. So, for example, if you go turn one top, you can go turn 
to Dark Ritual, Dark Ritual, or Dark Ritual, Cabal Ritual. <laughs> Actually, that that will do it as well, right. because you just need to generate the one extra black for the un- unearth. And the fetch, and one of the key things I haven't mentioned is that one of the most popular piles, the, the three most popular piles, one is the Brainstorm into Pact. The other, one of the three most popular piles is you put an underground sea at the bottom of the pile. So if you have fetch land, it functions, it saves you one life. Instead of having to put a probe in the pile, mm-hmm. you can put a fetch land in play and you... Uh, but the key is really managing your life and knowing when to go off. And the thing is that's so amazing about it is you can actually wait because the more they attack you, the less life you lose with Doomsday. Right. <laughs> so, you know, if you're at like, you know, if you're at, at, at 19 and you play Doomsday, you lose 10 life. <laughs> but if, you, if you're at 12 and you play Doomsday, you only lose six, six life. And the fact that they had that time to attack you doesn't really change much. It doesn't change the difference anything. between six and nine exactly. when you're trying to go off. Exactly. So the key thing is determining whether the pass turn is are they going to kill me? If they're not, just wait. Mm-hmm. And you that waiting often buys you the, you know, the time. More but time to look with top. More time to look with top and set up protection. But when you when you pass the turn, I, I you you more often than not pass the turn, and the reason is because you untap with far more counter protection. Sure. You get to draw the brainstorm, and you have the counter in my hand, and you have more mana to play the counters. So. I guess it all comes down to preference. Would you rather play a two-color streamlined deck or a three- or four-color deck where you got to learn how to count to ten? <laughs> and you have to learn the insane piles. I mean, yeah. the piles are absolutely I ridiculous with, with that a three- deck. or four-color deck, it's a lot more complicated. It's a lot more complicated. Many more options. You have to play... I mean, basically, the, the basic way you get to ten is you go... First, you lead with Orum Chant, which means you need a white dual land in play uh-huh. that will be Wastelanded. <laughs> then you've got to go Dark Ritual Doomsday. Then you've got to like probe or top into the the mm-hmm. first card, which is Ideas Unbound. Then you've got to play Ideas Unbound and draw the Burning Wish and two Lions that I'm for, blue, for, blue. The, ten, for yeah. the tendrils. So it's far more complicated. Personally, I'd rather go with a two color streamlined deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, since I can only count to seven anyway. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about compared to other decks, then how is this deck better than the sneak and show style decks? So one of the the main things about the you want to say something? No, I was just going to say I think the Doomsday deck is a better combo deck than the uh, Show and Tell deck. The Show and Tell deck, like most of the other combo decks in, in Legacy, you have to have two parts in your hand at the same time to win. Mm-hmm. So you've got to have Show and Tell and Hive Mind, or Show and Tell and Gristlebrand, or Show and Tell and Imrakul. Mm-hmm. You don't have to attack to win. Right, I don't have to attack to win either. The gr- and Or you, you have to have like High Tide and a Turnabout and a Time Spiral, or High Tide, you know what I mean? Right. So all the decks... All the combo decks in Legacy, except mine, are basically trying to sculpt the hand. Right. Whereas my deck is a one-card combo. You know, you can go land, 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 Doomsday with protection. You know, that's it. It's mm-hmm. a one-card combo that initiates the whole process. Right. Which means that your deck, you never have to, um, you never draw garbage. You know, very because the only garbage draw is Laboratory Maniac. You actually don't mind having Mental Note or Unearth in your hand, because Mental Note or Unearth in your hand means that you can put... In the pile, I can't another counterspell in that spot. Sure. So having unearth your hand means that you mental note into pact of negation or force of will or divert. And never mind the fact that unearth cycles. Yeah, and unearth cycles. <laughs> so the um, there's really no dead cards. Like where show and tell, you you might have a hand that has like gristlebrand and Amrockle and you know garbage. No way to put it into play. No sneak attack. No show and tell. Exactly. So and it's you can, far more streamlined. And you can even win with like, Maniac in your hand because you right. can just go find Brainstorm. So it's the same th- principle as my Vintage Doomsday deck and why my Vintage Doomsday deck is so cool, which mm-hmm. is that it has a million counterspells. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing as true here. You know, Remember when, I, when we were designing my, my, my Vintage deck, one of the key realizations was I could cut Dark Ritual. I wish I could do that here. <laughs> 
And the only reason you can't is because it's just you need you need that speed. Yeah, yeah. Speed, yeah. speed kills. But in in vintage, you know the you you can gush allows you to be faster and, and sure. Um, but in, in the, the the principle's the same. The old style doomsday decks had to have more garbage in them. Mm-hmm. You know these doomsday decks. You have one card, laboratory maniac, and then two around it. The mental note, which is not a bad card by itself. Oh, I've know. seen you play mental note when you had top and play for great value. Exactly, and on Earth, which cycles. Mm-hmm. So you have very. It's a super compact, dense, you know, counterspell and search deck, mm-hmm. which I think is tremendous value, which gives you an advantage in all the other combo matchups. You beat other combo decks for that reason. Since we haven't covered it yet, let's talk about the sideboard. You put one in your primer. Well, what did you play in the tournament? Um, I played with Spellskites, which protected the. Um, which protect the maniac. Protect the queen. <laughs> they protect the queen. The spellscape seems like just an incredible catch-all. Anything you might be facing in Legacy, from plows to ghastly demise to bolts, spellscape covers all of it. In my primer, I taught I had four Bob in one dark one Cabal Therapy, but at Brian DeMar's suggestion, I played a second Cabal Therapy, and his rationale was, what if in the course of the game you RFG the first therapy? Mm-hmm. You exile it because you use it and flash it back, mm-hmm. right? Well, that's a good point, so I guess I'll play two. <laughs> For people who don't know, so there's two... I mean, this is how good Mental Note is, right? <laughs> you can Mental Note that the pile with a Dark Confidant in play is Pact of Negation at the top. So on your upkeep, you flip and reveal Pact of Negation, which is zero. It's a zero casting cost force of will. It's then also you, demoralizing. It's demoralizing. <laughs> then you draw the Mental Note, and you play the Mental Note, and you can protect it with the pack. And you put Cabal Therapy and Maniac in the graveyard. So good. And then you draw the Unearth. So you then can immediately flash back, sacrificing the, the Dark Confidant, the Maniac, uh, the uh, the Therapy, naming Swords to Plowshares or Force of Will, depending on what you need to get rid of. Sure. And then you play Unearth and win the game. But the uh, the other combo, which I don't talk about very much in my primer or change, is you can actually put Deep Analysis in the graveyard, too. So if you have a blue and a colorless, you can just win the game immediately, in three life. Nice. You know, so you so you really make the most of the mental note with Cabal Therapy. You can also do. I'm not, I don't have deep analysis in my deck or my sideboard, although I used to in the initial testing. We had one. I can speak to the strength of spell sight too. I can no longer get in for the incidental damage. I can't get in for another one or two damage with a high arc. I can't attack with a quasi anymore because it, it does no damage. And Mother Ruins doesn't protect it either. No. Because it's an so artifact. I can, I can speak to the the strength of spell kite just by. Preventing the incidental damage coming and, through. And then he protects the last swing from night, which yeah. is really important. Nice. Spell's guy was good. So that's five cards out of your sideboard. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, three three bobs, two therapies. Right. How many spells? I had two spells, guy, but I'd play three in the future. Okay. I ran an Echoing Truth and a Devastation Tide, which is a miracle. Devastation Tide, you put at the top of the Doomsday Pile against, like, Counterbalance or, you know, a heavy workshop board, so to speak. Uh-huh. If your opponent's got multiple hate cards out, they got choke and they got yeah. this, that, well, and the other thing. Choke out is there. a bad example because it doesn't beat choke because you have to you want to win that turn. But it, every other oh, hate, I, every you're, other you're, hate I'm card. I'm sorry, you're right. It's a bad example. But yeah. if they've got they've got hey, cannonist can, and a yes. bunch of other stuff, they've got cannonist and a huge board. Yeah, like they've got the fight dude, scavenging ooze. <laughs> the fight dude, <laughs> scavenging ooze is, is another good what one. What is yeah. the fight dude? What's his name? Uvenwald uh, Tracker. Yeah, Uvenwald Tracker. A little bit of my tech. <laughs> So keep going on the sideboard, then. I don't think we got it all. Massacres in the side? I have two Massacres. Massacres a house, too, against my particular right. matchup we were playing. Yeah. Okay. Massacre. Yeah, against Maverick, it's key. Most of yeah. their, their bad guys are white. Takes out Canonist, takes out Quasi. 
Dahlia. Dahlia. Yeah, the, yep. Anything that could disrupt you. So we had some scenario questions that... But were there any other questions about... Probably not. We got them all. No, I think we got all the ones about deck construction. So we answered all the questions that people have tweeted me about. <laughs> no, what no. The, I saved one. I saved a couple ones okay. for the end about metagame implications. Okay. Well, there is one question that people ask a lot about is, what about creature removal and surgical extractions? Well, again, it's the same thing as protecting the doomsday. This is why I run all the spell pierces and diverts. At the end of the game, you are going to have counter magic in your hand to protect your combo. You either protract the doomsday or you protect the combo itself. What are surgical extractions you begin against except a maniac? Well, in round one against stars, <laughs> that's what it's for. Yeah, so and, it's and round one again, in round one in the Star City Games Open, I diverted a surgical extraction to his windswept heath when he had knight in play. Nice, and it was huge. <laughs> his knight could no longer submerging in response to a knight activation. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I'd be, I'd be, you know, the deck is designed to be double hate. You know, a plow and a surgical extraction, or two plows. I mean, you can speak from experience. That's I can. Just... And again, that's where top is is key in that matchup. Yeah, top in is... any matchup. It's right. like I said, a pseudo counter spell. If you have top, then you can beat like three. Yeah. <laughs> what if that hate is extirpate? That is a good question, and I'm glad you people it's... ask that. Season so, play. So, so here's here's the thing. Here's how extirpate works, right? In the old style Doomsday deck, like the original Doomsday deck that I created for Vintage, which which was the um, Beacon of Destruction Kill with oh, Mind's man. Desire. So classic. When you play Doomsday, your graveyard goes into your lot, you know, your graveyard is exiled. So the only card that they can extirpate immediately is Doomsday. Mm-hmm. And if you could just extirpate the Doomsday and it gets the classic vintage Doomsday deck, the do- vin- classic vintage Doomsday deck loses the game. They would be sunk. They have no be- way to win with a mixed up deck. Right. Because the you have to Ancestral Recall into Dark Ritual, Black Lotus in that order, and Beacon. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, sorry, and Mind's Desire in the last card. And the beacon, beacon must be the last card. Beacon must be the last card. So one way of using extirpate is just to shuffle your library. That can actually be very disruptive. So if you extirpate the Doomsday... You've sh- and you shuffle my library, that can be very disruptive. However... It doesn't stop you from winning. It doesn't stop you from winning because you have Maniac. But it can't... If you have just two mana in play, it can prevent you from playing the Maniac ever. So it actually can stop you from winning. So if you go turn one Doomsday and try and win on turn two and they extirpate the, the Doomsday and they shuffle your library... I see Theo deep in thought over here. Yeah. <laughs> He's thinking about this for the first time. No, huh? well, I'm, I'm a little confused. What is extirpating the Doomsday? Do you already cast the Doomsday? Shuffles right? your library. Thereby so, changing the order. If it puts Maniac on top... five-card library. Yeah, it shuffles right. your five-card library. If it so puts Maniac on top of Mental Note, gotcha. you could get into a situation where you can't win. You could totally... It can totally... So again, if you have two... If you go turn one Doomsday, and you try and win on turn two, and they extirpate the Doomsday, yep. and you have no more lands in your library or in your hand, you will never be able to play the Maniac unless you get lucky. Unless you get lucky, yeah. Unless you get lucky. So for example, if you, if you play... If some... I'll just give you an example. So you draw the first card, and you go, oh, crap, it's Maniac. You lose. Yeah. If you draw the first card, and you draw an Earth, you you don't lose just yet. You've you got to keep drawing. you got to keep drawing. <laughs> the next card's Mental Note, and you play Mental Note. And you don't hit the Maniac? And you don't hit the Maniac, you lose. Wait, but hold if, on. If you if, don't bin the Maniac, if, if the you Maniac goes to your hand, you yeah. lose. If you, if you draw two cards, and you don't see Mental Note, you lose. Because you won't have enough cards in your library. To, what, right, the Mental Note. You'll deck yourself. I think I just had a stroke of genius. Oh. <laughs> What's that? That's where top is key again. I was, I was re- getting to that. Yes. I was going to get to that. Good that was going to be what I was going to say. Yeah. Good call. Is that this is where top comes top into play. Is top can help you if they try and shuffle your library. So we're in yes. the first scenario where they extirpate Doomsday. Mm-hmm. So top can definitely help. But it, it does not help if the Maniac is the bottom card. Mm. That's the problem. If Maniac is the bottom card... Wait, I take that back. 
Top can't. Top can move it up to the second to last position, and you you're still right. win. No, you're right. Top can still help. Can, uh, no, you you will lose because you need to be able to play mental note and unearth. You can do and you that. You have to activate. But if you only have two mana, you have to activate the top to do that. Well, you you have to add time to the kill, but you can yeah. still do it because you'll so, so on you your last turn of the or, game you'll draw the mental note. You can play do it if you have lots of mana, but if you're on turn two. You're not going to have a lot of time. Well, so, that's, I was about to observe that yeah. this shuffling your library at the very least will usually add time to your kill. Yeah. And if you're under duress from creatures, this that can be the difference. I almost never play turn one Doomsday unless I have two lands in my hand. Sure. And that's just, I, I will sometimes do it if I have lots of protection. Okay, but let's go to the second scenario, which is where they try and extirpate the maniac. Sure. If you have probe, you're going to know they have the extirpate. So then your plan is simple. You're going to mental note into the maniac and part cast the Maniac and win the game. Yep. So, Extirpate is really not that much of a problem. Well, here's another thing you can do. But it does force you to have three mana to win. It does force you to have three scenario. mana to win, which you almost always do. Almost always. It's easy to do. Al- almost always do. The other thing you can do is if you know they have Extirpate and they're just Extirpating the Doomsday, you can just put two Brainstorms in the Maniac so you have like a high percentage of being able to... You know, if you put two Brainstorms in the pile... And you just don't even bother with unearth, you know. So you can taxi and probe, and you know they have extirpate, uh-huh. and you're concerned they might extirpate your doomsday. If you really want to get a high percentage win, right? Just put two brainstorms in the pile in the maniac, and then you 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 know, or a top, you yeah. know. So oh. there's lots of ways to beat extirpate. So you're saying just the to point, correct your library? Yeah, the point in in one of the brainstorm will trigger the end, end of the game, right? Because you only need to have two cards two cards in your library to win, so you only need three cards to be right, three down. Right. So the point is that the deck is extremely resilient. Laboratory Maniac creates a super resilient win condition. I guess for the point of discussion, it's relevant, but until somebody's actually playing Extirpate, it's not even relevant. Right. So this goes basically for all graveyard hate. If you can see it coming, you, just, you, do you, just, cast, you just cast the Maniac. maniac. I beat, it slows you down slightly. I, I beat so many Tormod Crypts and Leyline of the Voids over yeah. and over and over again. You can even put the Maniac in the pile and put a Brainstorm on top of it, Brainstorm into the Maniac, or Mental Note in the Maniac. Mm-hmm. It's very simple. All it takes is two more mana or a Dark Ritual. In fact, if my opponent has a Tormod Crypt in play or a Leyline of the Void, what I likely do, instead of going Dark Ritual Doomsday, is I will actually hardcast Doomsday holding the Dark Ritual. Uh-huh. I did this against you a lot, is that I will just you know, hardcast on turn three or four of the Doomsday, and then on turn four or five... Dark Ritual, the Maniac. Right. So it, it's the same thing. It, you know, I was trying to think of what cards... Very simple. ...that aren't graveyard hate, but are still permanent, that you need to play around carefully. What do you do against Grim Lavamancer? Good question. Okay. So Grim Lavamancer is actually really easy to beat as well. First, if you have a top in play, you just wait until they, acti- they activate the Mancer, and then you respond with top. So top does the same thing. Are you saying you, you execute the standard combo, but instead of doing the last draw, you just say go? No. I will I will do the last draw, and they respond with Grim Lavamancer, and then you respond by activating top. So that's that's a third draw. You then. need a third draw okay. to beat. You need a third draw trigger to beat the Grim Lavamancer. But I have a main deck Dark, dark Blast. Mm-hmm. And so what I might do is I might make a Doomsday Pile where the top card is Dark Blast. Mm-hmm. And then I'll draw the Dark Blast, Dark Blast the Grim Lavamancer... And then I will dredge the Dark Blast with the next draw trigger, putting the Maniac in the yard and then drawing the Unearth for the, the final draw. Interesting. So that's one of the, the key piles against Fight Dudes, and the Fight Dude, Uvon Wall Tracker, yeah. Talia, and and that's why I have the Dark Blast main deck. So the pile is Dark Blast on top, 
Right. And then the next three cards are Maniac, Maniac and, blanks. and Blanks, and the bottom card is, is Unearth. And those yes. are getting dredged to the Dark Blast, right? Yes. Yeah, the middle three yes. cards get dredged, so yes. it fills the same role as Mental Note. Yes. Dredge two? Dredge That's why Dark Blast is main deck, is because it... it it stretched three. Yeah. That's why Dark Blast is main deck, because it fills dual rules. It's the perfect dredge number. <laughs> it is. Two would be not quite good enough, four would be too many. It's yep. the ideal dredge number for yes. that scenario. That's incredible. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Theo. <laughs> what do you think this deck means for the metagame? Is this deck good enough to catch on? Oh, my God. I hope I hope that a lot of... I think a lot of people... You know, this would be a great deck for pros to play. I, I was think. just going to say, it's not an easy deck to play. I, think I haven't tried it, but I've seen you do it so many times. It's not <laughs> well, easy to do. I have to say, the first you know months that I seriously tested this deck, I was terrible with it. That's what I'm saying. And it's it, not easy and to it, play. It, and like I tried to analyze, and I didn't really understand why I was losing. Mm-hmm. I was losing because I was doomsdaying too soon. Like I'd play like turn one doomsday. I'm like, oh, I'm Dark Ritual Doomsday. How cool! I win. I win. <laughs> nope. Wasteland, your underground sea. <laughs> Wait, I need another land. You know, like, attack you for four. Know. Thanks for taking half your life. Yeah, <laughs> right. It, you, it, but but the rules I developed in my primer are the are simplified understandings that took me months and weeks mo- and months to learn into simplified rules that now I can share and teach without you having to go through everything that I went through. <laughs> you make it sound easy, but it's it's really not. It's, well, because I was working from scratch. I was developing a deck from nothing. And mm-hmm. so I had to develop these rules and principles, you know, out of, and after lots and lots of practice and deep understanding. But I think, I think, you know, if people look at my primer and read it and then get some practice under their belts and know the legacy metagame, they'll excel. This is a deck that I think pros can do very well with because it offers lots of opportunity to outplay your opponents. Mm-hmm. You're playing lots of blue spells. You know, and the sideboard is insane. I mean, the sideboard with dark confidants and and therapies. I mean, therapy is unbelievable against combo. You know, like because those decks just put the cards in their hand. Right. You know, I I destroyed in one game against High Tide. I go turn one, Cataxian Probe, dark, <laughs> saw two High Tides, Dark Ritual, Dark Confidant, Cabal Therapy. Wow. Strip both high tides. The guy was toast, you know, so... Would calling it the most skill-intensive deck in Legacy be an uh, over-understatement? I think that the um, the uh, other Dooms deck is probably the hardest deck. It's but, so hard, it's not even tournament playable. Yeah. I mean, I would never play that it's other... It's still a Doomsday deck, though. Right. This Doomsday deck is much easier to play, just, you know, it's much easier to play. I mean, it's still probably like an 8 or 9 out of 10 for our difficulty, but it's definitely playable, and it's so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So we got a question in from our friend Solly, who wants to know, is this combo, this particular execution of the end game involving Mental Note and Unearth portable to Vintage? Isn't that an interesting question? Mm-hmm. I don't know what the answer is. I mean, you know, I don't even remember, and I designed it, what my Vintage combo is. <laughs> so, I don't... I've been so, head. My head has been so far up Legacy's butt. I don't even know what's going on. In, I would say no because of mental misstep. Someone remind me what my combo is mental in, in Vintage. Up. Well, the the standard pile in Vintage just goes ancestral. This is the pile I created, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but it just goes ancestral into so into yeah, it's, maniac it's ancestral maniac lotus, lotus gush gut. And then yeah, that's and right. then you can have a will, bu- will is the last yeah, will card. is the backup. Yeah. So or if you have gush in hand, then it's. Lotus Ancestral, Lotus Petal Maniac, or Will Maniac. Sure, no, but the, the... Will... No, that's not right. <laughs> it's Gush into... Lo, no, it's Gush into Ancestral and Lotus. They draw the last three cards, which are Maniac, Will, Petal. Right. 
and the operative comparison I think to make is how much mana is required to win. Right. In vintage, the standard is one, one right. blue mana, and you will win in certain scenarios at zero. Right. right. In right. In vintage, in ancestral recall, it wins all by itself, or the gush wins for zero mana. You can chain gushes. Right. So why would you play mental note in unearth? I don't I don't really see mental a reason. Mental misstep says no. Mental misstep stops the ancestral. But again, what's so amazing about the vintage combo is they can counter the first three two cards. Mm-hmm. They can counter the ancestral. They can counter the gush. Yep. And they can and they can even counter the maniac. And, and you, you have, still have Lotus Will. You still, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it's it's so resilient. Um, I, I Chalice would... for zero. You still beat Chalice for zero because you have a third land, and then you just mm-hmm. gush with the third land with Maniac. I don't really see a place for this. I mean, the the, the point of of Unearth in Mental Note is that you win post Doomsday with just two mana. Right. In, in Vintage, you only need one mana or zero. Right. So, I would say the bigger lesson from the Legacy deck is all the ancillary lessons you learn. Yes. The I, basic lands. Yes. The tops. Well, the probes. All the interactions right. that are apart from the combo. I think I have a much deeper appreciation for top, and my Vintage Doomsday deck, which you know, people ask me about all the time. I think we'll definitely have at least one top main deck. And mm-hmm. other things. I mean, there are definitely top other... Top is so good. Yeah, top is amazing. Top is good. It's so good in this deck, especially. All right, that does it for all our at least documented Doomsday Q&A that came in from the from the uh, listeners. What do you want to say about your tournament performance, though? Well, one of the things that I just wanted to clear up that people seem very confused about when they watch my, my feature match, and Kevin, I know you haven't seen the feature match yet, but I'm going to talk about the the first game. So... In the first game, um, I probed him very early on, and I was surprised to see that he had two plows in a Gadoptique. What was the archetype? He was what? playing Maverick. Maverick. I can already tell. With yeah. Punishing Fire. With Punishing Fire, right. So um, I played turn one. I was looking, I was really, it was one of those games where you have all the cantrips and you don't find the Doomsday until last turn. So it's like turn one cantrip, turn two cantrip, turn three top. Finally, I found the Doomsday after all the shuffling I had done. And my board is Island, Island, Swamp. On turn four, I play Polluted Delta, and I fetch out a Swamp. Okay? So Interesting. My, so my board is Island, Island, Swamp, Swamp. And I know his hand. He has two plows. And my hand has Force and Spell Pierce. Okay? Mm-hmm. So just keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. And I go Dark Ritual, Doomsday. Okay? And I know his hand has Gadok Teague and two plows. And you have Blue, Blue, Black up. I have Blue, Blue, Black. Okay. And so... I doomsday, and my pile is Brainstorm, Mental Note, Pact of Negation, Laboratory Maniac, Unearth. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Didn't you have a top in play? Oh, yeah. I did play. Well, I was using top. Yeah, I said top. Yeah, there was yeah. top in play. Uh, so I had, I, I basically, I think, maybe like pondered into the, a Brainstorm into a top, and mm-hmm. I was shuffled at least once, and I finally found the doomsday on mm-hmm. turn four, and I played it. Or maybe I found the Doomsday on turn three, at the end of turn three, and then I, I played on turn four. Exactly. Any case... What does he have in play? He has in play... Um, Noble Hierarch and two or three lands. See, I think that was it. He was hitting you for He had a Goyf. He played turn two Goyf, I think. And it was... He did have a Goyf. And it was... It went to like two, three, and then it went to one, two when I played Doomsday because my, <laughs> gra- my graveyard went away. Awesome. Um, and... Um, so I passed the turn, and I I was like, oh, God, he's got Gadok Teague. I said that 
you know, I really wanted him to play the Gadoctique. Right. Because I had the spell pierce in my hand. I needed him to tap down so I could spell pierce the second one. Sure. And of course, he walked into my trap and he played the Gadoctique. So I untap and I draw the brainstorm and I immediately realize I've messed up. Did he have white, white up? Yes. He has Noble Hierarch and a fetch land. He plays mm-hmm. a fetch land. Okay. I was I was really upset because he drew the fetch land mm-hmm. because I thought, oh my God, he's, if he plays the Gadoctique, he can only play one plow. Right. Exactly. So, but he drew the fetch land, and I was like, oh my god, I messed up. I fetched a swamp. If I had fetched an underground sea or an island, I'm fine. Here's why. The mana requirements for this turn are blue, 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 black. Mm. Instead, I have blue, blue, black, black in play. Because I've got to play Brainstorm, Mental Note, Unearth, and Spell Pierce. Right. And the whole point is that I'm going to exchange the dead force of will in my hand for the Pact of Negation. Mm -hmm. Right? So I play the Brainstorm. I put... Maniac enforce, and then I play on top of my library. Then I play the mental note, binning them both, drawing the unearth, and I I'm like crap, I cannot win here. I'm thinking, thinking, thinking. So I finally just go unearth, uh, and I just I just got a bank on him trying to plow it like most people would do. So I go go nice, and he goes nice plow, oh. and I go respond top, and he goes fetch plow, and I go packed. And I win the game. So good. Yes. So, so that's good. why you got to watch the feature match. I won't spoil game two, but but uh, to su- suffice to say, uh, I destroyed him on was turn. And during all turn, this, they've got the runner coming over to find out what your five. They had no idea is. what I was even doing. <laughs> so in game one, They're I want to figure it out. In game one, I won. <laughs> I won on turn five. In game two, I won on turn three. So wow, excellent. So, so keep going with your tournament performance, though. How did it end up? Well, um, I. I don't really want to get into too much detail because I'll write a report, mm-hmm. but you know I've already been talking at length about. <laughs> but I I was very pleased with the deck. It's totally broken. The deck is insane. All my losses were because I made slight or subtle play mistakes, mm-hmm. like the one I just described. Mm-hmm. And part of it is I just don't play tournament magic enough anymore. It speaks so. to the complexity of the deck as well. It is. It is, and it, you need to plan everything out far mm-hmm. in advance. But one of the scenarios is a game that I lost that I, I will talk about later. So, all right. Well, I think we've learned a lot about Doomsday here. Let's talk about some of those scenarios up next. Let's dig in for our final segment to some scenarios here. We've got a couple of... the most popular segment. I know it. Back by popular demand. We've got some... Legacy Doomsday scenarios and a few other things to spice things up near the end. Let's talk about a simple one right off the bat. Simple is in air quotes. Game one, it's an unknown opponent and you're on the play. Steve, you want to set the stage for this one? So you are playing my Legacy Doomsday deck and your opening hand is Island, Polluted Delta, Underground Sea, Dark Ritual, Doomsday, Brainstorm, and Gitaxian Probe. Let me run through that. I want to see this too. Three you got lands. Three lands. Your colors are good. You got flexibility there. You got Ritual Doomsday, Brainstorm Probe. Right. So you sit down and you won the die roll, and it's turn one. What do you do? This seems like a clinic in how aggressive to be. Yes. You clearly, the Ritual Doomsday stands out to your eye. You have the ability to fetch out a basic swamp and an island. Yep. You've got Brainstorm and Probe. So next turn, unmolested, you've got everything you need. You've got all the tools. Yes. You have no protection. Right. So against an unknown opponent in the Legacy metagame, what do you choose? 
Exactly. So I think the first thing you point out is you have mana base protection mm-hmm. because you have two basics and an I and a C. You also could potentially use that delta to, fe- to thin your doomsday pile, mm-hmm. but you're not going to because you're going to pass the turn. So you'll you'll already have one of the cards. You, your second turn draw step will have removed the first right. card from the library. That. It's also important to note that the probe is here, mm-hmm. which means that you can win on turn two. Because mm-hmm. your draw step provides you with the first post doomsday trigger draw trigger and the probe the second, mm-hmm. and you have the two mana, so it satisfies the post doomsday rule of two mana two draw. So you, in other words, this is a hand that goldfish is on turn two. It, not only is it goldfish, but it goldfishes through most of what most decks are going to throw at you. It's it's not um, it's not going to get killed by a wasteland if you play correctly, exactly. but it does still have. It does still have a bit of a weakness against certain removal, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so uh, if you're playing against Maverick and your opponent goes Windswept Heath, yes. go, you might be in trouble. And if you play the probe to see what your opponent's playing, then you, you, you slow lost, yourself down. You, you want to save probe for turn two? I generally the general rule when I play the deck is I I do not play probe early mm-hmm. on unless it's game one and I really want to know what they're playing. I have found that it's very important to know what your opponent is playing for obvious reasons. Sure. And you generally, but you also generally want to keep the probes to trigger for the doomsday post doomsday draw trigger. Um, you could probe so them here and see force of will, for example. Right. Which right off the bat tells you you're not going to go but, for it. But here's some, here's the thing though that we need to keep in bear in mind. If you play turn one dark ritual doomsday, you could put as the top card like a pact of negation to try and win on turn three. Mm-hmm. So if but if that's your plan, then why is that? Better than not just playing turn two Doom today. Well, is there a two... I think I already know the answer to this, but is there a two-mana Doomsday pile that wins with its own built-in protection on turn two when you have Probe and Brainstorm in hand? Meaning, can you put the Pact on there and still win on turn two because you have Probe and Brainstorm? The problem is you need two blue mana then, the brain because you need to Brainstorm and Mental Note. So the mana requirements would be blue-blue. Right. And then you need a black. If you hit ran Lotus Petals, you could. Okay. Theoretically, could you go island brainstorm turn one with this hand, and then w- and then what? And then on your second turn, you could go ritual doomsday. You still got probe, or you could play probe first to see what they've got, and then go. So I think we've just went through all the options. Yeah. The options are first, <clears throat> you go land nothing. Second, land brainstorm. Third, probe. Fourth. Dark Ritual Doomsday. Those mm-hmm. are the four possible plays. I would think you'd want to save Probe for your turn two. I agree. You probably want to save Probe. Probably. If you go to turn one, they've got one card you don't know what is. What yeah. it is. You probably want to save the Probe. Um, let's just go around and vote. How would you guys play this? I have no experience whatsoever with the deck, but I would probably go Island Brainstorm, because the hand is kind of weak to disruption. What about you? It's turn. Do I have any buys? <laughs> yeah. So this was in the Star City Games Open that this happened to you. No, this was. Or was in, this just in this testing? This is a real hand. Yeah, this is a real hand in one of our testing games. Okay. Okay. Well, boy, I am a pretty cautious player. I don't like turn one of the tournament with a very good deck, just trying to go balls out and do the yeah. coolest thing. I am with Theo. I like Island Brainstorm. Mm-hmm. I think that's the correct play. I think that's what you do. It because also, you can still you're committing yourself to turn three at that point, but turn three is not a bad no, thing. No, no, you're some, probably going to find a force of misdirection, a spell pierce, or a divert. To some combo players, yeah. that sounds like a swear word to say I you're slowing yourself down. The other thing, the though, is, the other thing though is there is an argument to be made from just going land go, because if you go land go, interesting, and turn two doomsday, 
Dark Ritual Doomsday, which never gets countered. Uh-huh. And if you go turn two Doomsday, you're going to be playing around days. Then you have the Brainstorm in your hand to draw the Pact of Negation the turn you win. Interesting. So there is a serious argument that you have all the tools you need just to win. If you assume your opponent's not going to counter the Doomsday, but they're going to try and counter your combo, mm-hmm. best, then that's maybe the that beats at least one counterspell. You know, at least one counterspell or plow or something. And if you're on the play, that may be all they have. You know? And also, if you're planning to make that Brainstorm play, seeing their first turn land drop and subsequent play makes all the difference in the world for your choice in some cases. Yes. You might we might uh, adjust or calibrate your value of Divert, for example. Exactly. If your opponent goes Basic Mountain, you're going to keep a Divert in your hand over some other things. And if you go Land Go, you're also going to get another draw in your second turn draw step. Yeah. So you'll have another card. Dig one card deep with your Brainstorm, too. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So there is a serious argument for that. There's going to be a case to be made for just land go, evaluate what they play, but on your second turn you can play Brainstorm first and then Ritual Doomsday and be have a very strong hand at that point. You could have double protection, right. possibly. Or you could just... Yeah. It, it, this actually... <laughs> this might even be setting up a turn three win, mm-hmm. playing Doomsday and winning the same turn That's as well. That's what Kevin was saying. It's, it's, yeah. Um, yeah. So you could set you up for a turn three win. Yeah, with with uh, Doomsday and then... But that's playing. without playing the brain... The, possibly without playing the Doomsday on turn two. I like that. Because yeah. then on turn two, you can do productive things like top with Spell Pierce up. Yes. Which is a potent play. Yeah. Exactly. Like, you can kind of like a green sum zenith or something. Right. So, I mean, this is, again, th- this scenario is an interesting one because it gauges... It's revealing, like mm-hmm. you said, about how aggressive... Our player, are you? You know how? How do you feel about making plays like this? Would you say Dark Lords of Doomsday Turn One is absolutely wrong, the wrong play there? No, I, w- I don't think no. there's a clear wrong play here. I don't. I don't even think Turn One Probe is clearly wrong. If you're, this is a totally ambiguous. If you know your opponent, you though, I mean, we're we're saying. I agree with you. But it's easy to say lots of things about an unknown opponent, but if you know your opponent, even though you don't know what deck they registered, right. there are a lot of people that you can say this player is not playing Force of Will. Yeah. And that makes all the difference in the world. Sure. If they go forest high arc or, right. like you said, a, a mountain, they're probably on goblins or something, maybe sneak and show. Burn. Where they yeah. have counter spells, obviously, and sneak yeah, right. and show. I'm just saying, certain people you can count. Force of Will is your biggest empty, not empty, <clears throat> abstract general threat in, in any context in Legacy, I would say, for this deck. Just that's the thing you have to be expect across the board. Multiple archetypes, yeah. it's universal. All the other stuff becomes much more narrow. And I'm not sure if that's so much true anymore, just because some a lot of the rug and UR Delver decks are going to three forces. It's weird, but it, no, it's true. I, I think the, 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 the there's merit to waiting. Another reason to wait is because of days. Yeah. Days is just about equally possible. That's and, a good point. So if you go... But turn, if you're on the play... No, you're right. If, even yeah. on the play, the days is still relevant to you. Yeah, you go... Because if you go turn one Ritual Doomsday, and you can't win on turn two without expending all of your mana. Right. But you've got the probe return too, though. You can see what's going on. <laughs> right. you, you can build a slow roll pile. You can turn one Doomsday and build a slow roll pile, but there's not a lot of reason to do that. It's right. just inferior to waiting and setting up a better hand to go with it. I, I'm really partial to using the brainstorm here to trade one of your excess spells for a pact. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where I would want to go with uh, this brainstorm. Hand. Yeah. I, no. No. I'm saying holding the brainstorm. Holding. I'm, I'm. I'm thinking holding the brainstorm for the turn that you Doomsday. Or, you know, post-Doomsday is mm-hmm. really strong. So I'm looking at turn two, Doomsday, turn three, Brainstorm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So island Go? Yeah, I, I probably would just go Island Go. I mean, at a minimum, Island 
go turn two delta brainstorm on turn two is mm. not bad. No, because that's very you get good. more power on brainstorm, even more power. Right? Just be on top of that brainstorm. Yeah, especially if you get top. <laughs> Excellent. So that's a good first scenario to get us warmed up here, huh? All right. Our next one is an in-game scenario, early still, though. You're playing against Maverick, and you were on the play. It's your turn two now. You have Swamp Island in play. Your opponent has simply Savannah Hierarch. That was their turn one play. Your hand is Underground Sea, Underground Sea, Massacre, Unearth Brainstorm. Now... The, the note I have here left the Doomsday out, but the point is you have access to Ritual Doomsday here as well. But okay. the other cards in your hand are CC, Massacre, Unearth, Brainstorm. So there's, and all a, they have is Savannah Hierarch. Yeah. And, and you have Island hand. Swamp. So you, you went on the play swamp. and you went like Island or something, go. So you're choosing right now, you're choosing to Doomsday. What pile do you make and what is your plan? And what are you playing around against Maverick, which is a long list? Yeah. So they have Island, they have Savannah Maverick, and you're playing Turn Two Doomsday, and you have in hand Brainstorm and Unearth, and Massacre and Lands. So one of the reasons this hand is so complicated is because, first of all, you have one of the combo pieces in your hand, which means you're immediately replacing that in a pile with something that's going to be right. defensive. And what are you protecting against? Exactly. And the second thing that complicates is you have Brainstorm. <laughs> so it's like you you need to mesh two variant piles together, mm-hmm. and that's not easy to do. I think you want to make the most of the brainstorm for sure, mm-hmm. and you want to make you want to, you're going to put a counterspell probably packed in the unearth slot. And you also have massacre, which answers a number of questions. Right. You but have to be prepared to defeat a Talia or Canimus that they will play mm-hmm. on their second turn, right? And and you should probably prepare prepared to beat a choke as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Avon Mind Sensor, at this point, you don't have to worry about because you've already played Doomsday. Right. What if the Maverick player untaps, plays land, says go? Just land, go. Then you have to be able to beat at least two, maybe three swords. You would think so. <laughs> three swords. Or if it's game three two, swords. could be a purify the grave in hand. Uh-huh. And a sword, which is three answers. Yep. Three swords seems like a, a almost well, impossible. Yeah. Or, or, a scavenging, or scavenging ooze with yeah. one land up, with one mana up. So you have to be able Massacre deals with ooze, canonist, and Talia. Although it costs one mana to deal with the Talia. Right. So you if, do have two lands in hand, so you could slow roll if you needed to. But if you build a pile around Brainstorm, and you have to Massacre, the Talia will slow you down by one turn, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I think. You'll have three mana next turn. So with Talia on play, you can Massacre Mental Note on Earth, technically. Yes. But you don't have another draw in your hand or in your right. access to it. So you can't win next turn with Talia. If they have Talia. But she doesn't beat you either. Right. Which is nice. Right. And Massacre... But that gives them more time to have more draws. Massacre is aptly named in that case, though, because (laughs) you're taking out their Hierarch and their Thalia. And the the real thing that you have to worry about, I think, the the hardest scenario is if they have double threat. Double plow, yeah. If they have have double plow... plow Or Thalia plow, even. So let's assume they have, like, plow Let's, Let's Can we beat that? You the fun, yeah. The fun thing about Plow Canonist is you don't need to beat it, <laughs> and that's one of the things I think that a lot of new players would jump to is how do you win? How do you win next turn? You don't need to win next turn. What's the most damage they're going to do to you next turn? One. <laughs> and let's, let's say you fetched. Maybe you're at nineteen, so maybe you're at nine right now. Yeah. Big deal. You can you can wait three turns for this this game to pl- to, <laughs> to, to uh, play out. 
Now, you don't want to be that slow about it to give them more draws because right. their draw step is their card advantage in this situation. Right. But I think you need to be able to protect the Maniac from Plow. Yeah. That's important. So you think Pact is definitely going to be in there. You're going to have a natural draw step. What's your first card you're going to draw next turn? What do you want it to be? Well, I, I think it depends on whether we expect... Should we prepare for the worst scenario? The worst scenario is Talia, right? The worst scenario is... I, I consider the worst scenario to be Thalia and Double Plow still in their hand. Because Thalia slows you down to the right. point where you're yeah. going to activate Double Plow then. I would say Purify the Grave is better than a Plow. Well, let's not go that far, because not a lot of people don't run the... Yeah. It's the same It's the same thing. It's Purify the Grave. It's It, it requires two mana to use each one, so yeah. it's functionally two Plows. Um, I think let's plan for Thalia and then plan for a scenario without Thalia. So I, I think almost anything do, that... Let's do it without Thalia first. Almost anything that beats Thalia beats Canonist. Okay, so in my opinion. Well, well, let's just make it easier on ourselves and start without Talia. Okay. Because we're going to have three mana next turn, yep. right? It's going to be turn three. We're going to drop an underground sea into play. We don't have a fetch land in our hand, do we? No, we have two seas, which so, is good. So we, You're right. So we have an island, swamp, and sea, and we, we know we're going to put Metal Note and Maniac in the in the pile for sure. Mm-hmm. Those are the two cards that are automatic. We know we're going to brainstorm into them, so we're probably going to put a pact. Mm-hmm. That's and, three. And then we're probably going to put a probe. A probe is one of them. Maybe even another probe. You need a fifth card. Do you put it? So that's the real question. Then, do you put a, a second defensive spell in there, like a spell pierce or a force of will? Not force right. of will. You, you don't have another blue card. The, you could put a spell pierce. If you put yeah, if you put a spell pierce. If you put spell pierce, mental note. No, you probably packed. put another defensive card. You want you want two defensive cards because we need to be able to beat two things. So you want spell pierce, mental note, packed in some combination need, of your top three cards. You need to be able to beat. No, it doesn't need to be the because remember the mental note can draw the spell pierce or the pact. Right, but so it doesn't need to be in the top. It can be the fourth card. Mental note. Oh, I forgot. Unearth is in your hand. Yeah, unearth is in the hand, which is very important here. Yep, yep, yep. So this is you can definitely you definitely put two counter spells in this pile. Yep. Pact in the spell pierce, I think, or maybe a divert. No, because divert divert can't. Oh, divert can hit. Per purify the grave. Yes, it can. Yeah. But spell pierce. There's something else in the graveyard. But spell pierce hits green sun zenith for ooze. Spell pierce also hits choke. So and spell pierce is plow. better than divert. Here. I think spell pierce is much better than divert in this case. So you put spell pierce and pact. Me- mental note. Mental note. Maniac. Maniac. And blank another and probe is just a random card. Yeah, because you're gonna you're gonna you ditch. Have, you need more draw. You're gonna ditch the probe, right? What's our win condition? How are we getting the second trigger? We don't have any draw in our hand. So we're slow so rolling by the, definition in that respect. Oh, man. What about putting a top in there? That doesn't really speed you up at all. It doesn't, it doesn't help you at all. So if our, we still we need, to be, we need to be able to beat two plows. Right. On turn four, basically, you want to be able to beat two plows. Can we win next turn and beat two plows? Um... Well, sure, because you can brainstorm into... Oh, no, you're not going to be able to win next turn. Wait a second. Brainstorm into packed... No. packed um, no, 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 no. This is why we're confused. Because we have a brainstorm in our hand, and we're yeah. going to put a brainstorm into the pile. So it's two brainstorms. That, I didn't realize that. Yeah, I thought... That... <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were just counting the brainstorm we're casting. No. Yeah, so there's going to be a second brainstorm. Or, I mean... or We don't have enough mana... That, re- that requires four mana if you're going to brainstorm, brainstorm next turn. Brainstorm, mental note, unearth. You're right. Unless you're going to brainstorm yeah. this turn after your doomsday, you could do that to just compress your pile. 
I'm so confused. <laughs> Are we winning on this turn we're no. talking about? No, we're winning next turn. Next turn. So well, we, we play Doom today. You can't play Pack then. No, no, no. We're setting up the pile right now for uh, next turn. Yeah. Gotcha. So we expect them to do something. You won't be packing whatever spell they brought to play on their second right. turn. Pact You're going to pack their turn. plow. Yeah. Um, you could put... Because Brainstorm's in our hand, we could put Force of Will in the pile and Brainstorm into Force of Will on a blue card. Yeah, you're right. Immediately, to stop whatever they do. But what would they play next turn that you would want to do that for? If they play Thalia... Choke is irrelevant, because you're not tapping your island. So... Yeah, Choke is a, is a terrible play for them, assuming our pile wins next turn. But that's <laughs> yeah. not a given. Yeah. I mean, it's not a given. We could construct defensive piles that don't win next turn. Right. So, the, what are the five cards again? We know it's Mental Note, Maniac. Let's write those down. Yeah, you got Those Maniac. are for sure. Yeah. Mental Note and Maniac. And probably packed in another counter spell. So the question is, what's the next card? Let's assume we do this pile: probe, mental note, packed, maniac, spell pierce. If we make those five pile, those five cards, then we will we'll untap, we'll draw the probe, we'll play the probe, we'll see their hand. Mm-hmm. We'll draw the mental note. No, no. Do we don't want to do it like that, do we? We want to brainstorm first. So we put the we put the pact in our hand. You put. You know uh, what I, you can do. Okay. None of the hold on. None of the cards that they are playing here impact us before we go to cast a spell. I mean, none of them are pr- proactively disruptive. So you could just put pact on the top of your library. Yeah. Okay. Let's do that. Let's put pact on the top of the library. That makes a lot of sense. So you've got defense set up right up front. So we'll draw the pact and then we'll cast brainstorm. Right. And then we'll draw the mental note, and we'll draw another counterspell, and we'll put one of the lands in our hand into the into the pile, into the, the yeah. library, and the maniac back. Then we play the mental note, binning underground sea maniac, drawing spell pierce. Then we cast. Then we cast. Um, on earth. On earth. With Pact and Spell Pierce up. No, you don't have... Spell Pierce up? You don't have Spell Pierce up? No, because you played Brainstorm, Mental Note, and Unearth. That's your three mana. You're tapped out. You don't have two draws. Right. So, well, you have your... your, Hold on a sec. You do have two draws. You have your draw step for the turn, which means you have a four-card library. Right. And then you have Brainstorm in your hand. Mm -hmm. So the card you draw for the turn, if it's Mental Note... You bin card two and draw card three. If card two is maniac, so if your if your if your stack is note maniac blank, if your four cards, you mean? Because we're drawing one. Right. No. Yeah, but I'm seeing the top card is is note. You draw note for the turn next turn. If the next card is maniac, you bin that and draw the third card. The third card can be packed right there. Do we have any other blue spells in our hand? No. So if your top card is Note Maniac Pact, the top three, then your Brainstorm still wins you the game, even though your library is two cards. So there's a pile that has that wins next turn with three mana and has Pact for defense. And that's it. Well, but then there's two cards under that. So you could put more defense under the Maniac in case the game goes longer. If they play Thalia, for example, you can just slow roll this pile. Right. And you have the massacre for almost, for half 
like most of their threats. Right, that's what, that's what I'm getting. You just yeah. have to make sure that if you're putting Maniac as your second card, whatever you do has to result in playing Mental Note before you get your second draw. <laughs> so if they so play what Thalia... What is your pile? It's, it's Note, Maniac, Pact, and then two more defensive cards like Pierce... Force. And Pierce Force or something. Or Probe. You could and have Probe Pierce in there. So you untap and you draw the note. Yep. You play the note. Which bins number two, which is the Maniac, and draws you number three, which and is And you packed. can't brainstorm. You, you have Unearth in your hand. Yeah, but you only have two cards left in your library. You're going to Unearth Maniac and play Brainstorm to Immediate, win. Immediately. <laughs> With Pact in your hand. Gotcha. But that only beats one plow. Gotcha. That beats single plow, and it has to slow roll Thalia. I'm not sure I like that plan. I think I kind of like giving them one more turn to that double counter. Okay. What about the pile? Pact of Negation, Mental Note. Go through this. Pact of Negation, Mental Note, yep. Probe, Maniac, Force. Probe, Maniac, Force. So you draw the Pact of Negation for the turn. Mm-hmm. And... You play Mental Note. Hold on. You didn't. How did you draw Mental Note? You didn't... You need a brainstorm. Oh, so we brainstorm, and I'll put the Getaxian probe into my hand and put a land into in my, into the. So you're gonna brainstorm into note probe maniac. Yeah, put back maniac land. Yep. Play note, binning land maniac drawing force. So my hand has packed probe force. Um. And unearth, which I'll play right now. Yeah, sorry, I was miscounting how many cards uh, Mental Note puts in your graveyard <laughs> when I was building my prior pile. Yeah. It doesn't change anything, but still. So um, my pile, how's my pile look? It, you draw the pact right off the bat. Yes. You brainstorm into Mental Note. Probe and Maniac. Probe and Maniac. Put back C, you, Maniac. You play the Mental Note, binning C, Maniac, and you draw Force. Now you have Force, Pact. And Probe. And Probe. And unearth in your hand. And unearth. Um, you got two counter spells. Yeah, and you but, play unearth, and you can you can play. You have two counter spells that way. Yeah. But if you spend both counter spells, you don't win this turn because you'd be pitching your but probe what to the you force. Could do, right. So what you can do is you so, just need to feel out the situation. If you if, feel like you only have to beat one one plow. So for example, if they have double plow, if well, they if they went simple, land right? go, this yeah, if they went land go, and you you beat double plow if they try to play them both right, right. there. But then but, if they have any other business... Let me give an example why you build this. Here's yeah. the argument for why you build this pile, I think. Yeah. You build this pile because if they play a two-mana creature, like let's say play, they play a Canonist, yeah. then you know you only have to beat one plow. So they play Canonist, you massacre it, yeah. then you have then you can probe right there for the win. Yeah. And in that sequence, holding force pack. Yep. It's good. If they have double plow, if they go land go, you can still beat that. You just don't win this turn. Right. If they don't plow, you still beat it. And you pass the turn. If they don't do anything, you know they have double plow, right? Well, you 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 end up passing the turn with with just Maniac and lands and, and like, no cards in hand, basically. But is there a third card they could draw that would really matter? It would have to be a third plow. plow. Yeah, which is really... So Which is going to be really I, rare. I think that's the best plan. I think that's a really solid plan. You're gonna, how do you lose that? How do you lose? So packed on top, note is two, probe is three, maniac is four, force is five. What do you do if they play Thalia? They play Thalia. You draw packed. You draw packed. 
Maybe you should put force on top <laughs> instead of pack. But, but I mean, it, it doesn't. It's um, it's you know functionally the same. Maybe you put force on top. No, you probably put packed on top because well, it doesn't matter actually. No, it doesn't. Um, if they play Talia, then you have to obviously tap a mana and play Massacre. Or do you just wait a turn? I was just going to say, or do you? Because yeah. I would, I would like to slow them down too, if I, if at all possible. Yeah. So you play your third land. They have Thalia on play. They attacked you for. They probably didn't attack you for anything, if they're playing around your combo. Yeah. So then they could play another hate card, though. Then they could play an ooze. But you still have and a, still you, have you, hold the, you have to hold the maniac or the massacre. You don't play it. I know, but the point yeah. is, they could play another hate card like Gadok Teague, or. Canonist or ooze. Gedak Teague would be particularly frustrating here because you're relying on the massacre. Yeah. And then you can't. And then you can't counter that Gedak Teague. Unless you put. Unless you put force on top. But you don't have another blue card. Hey, dude. Oh, you have brainstorm. You pitch that brainstorm. Yeah. So serious slow roll if they play Thalia. I like. I think I like my plan the best. Just, just reverse it. Put force on top. So it's force, mental note, probe, maniac, pact. Yep. A lot of people, I think, would snap Massacre the Thalia and for one mana, and then you could play Brainstorm there. But you can't win with Unearth. But you can't win with Unearth because you still need to play Note on Unearth. You Are you following mana. this? Part? I am. Yeah. It's, it well, it's a lot harder when you don't have the cards in front of you. Yeah. yeah. So I think we're all off the top if of they head. play Thalia, do you you don't do you Massacre there or not? And if so, do you play the Brainstorm as a follow-up that turn, or wait? If you wait, then you cut yourself off of being able to use... Brainstorm basically becomes Force Fodder at that point, right? Because you're drawing the Mental Note next turn. Yeah. So you have the Force... So the Brainstorm becomes dead, unless you want to just use it to trigger the Maniac, which you have Probe for. Yeah. And yeah, you'll also need to play the dead, C. But... You'll need to play the C, and you have the fourth C. You mm-hmm. have no other cards in your hand, so... Yeah. Actually, you don't need to play the fourth C. You don't have to. Yeah. You can still threaten Force of Will that way. Yeah. So I think that's probably the way to do it. That's interesting. That's one of the few those rare piles where you put force in it. Yeah. You know, you don't do that a lot. Anyway, so we go to the next scenario. Yeah, that's a if, that's if a really if, tough one. If, if readers yeah. or listeners have uh, suggestions for that pile, we'd like to hear it. So. Yeah. Look, the third one we have is one that came up in the tournament, and it's game three against Burn. Oh boy. <laughs> this is this is a fun one. It's complicated though. Yeah. So, in- so bear with me. You have in play Underground Sea, Underground Sea Island, and you're at 8 life. Your hand is Divert, Top, Brainstorm. I have a full hand. So just, again, three lands in play, a full grip. Go ahead. What's my hand? Divert, Top, Brainstorm, Doomsday, Two Rituals, and Unearth. Two Dark Rituals and Unearth. Right. Your opponent has three mountains. Two of them are tapped. And this is my third turn. This is my fourth turn. Okay, and you don't have any lands to play here. I've just been sucking up damage this game, so I'm at eight life. That's what burn does. No, I do have a land to play. Um, not in there this should list. Be a pollu- there should be a blood. St- uh, there should be a, a, a bloodstained mire there. Apologies, I, we messed that up. Okay, there's a land. W- uh, w- it's it's uh, right here on this line. Which one of those cards is it in place of? Because you have divert, and you have doomsday. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. No, it's an eighth card. I have an eighth. Oh, you yeah. drew for the turn. You yeah. drew a land. I'm yeah. sorry, I didn't make. I didn't make a note of that. Okay, so you draw a fetch. Is it important well, we that it's a bloodstained mire? Already in my hand, I drew something else, but it doesn't matter. Is, is it important that it's a bloodstained mire? No, we no, can just it's say not. It can be any fetch land. Okay. 
So clearly, you want to doomsday this turn because the clock is, is ticking. Low. Yeah, right, you're eight. Like this one, you go from two to one. <laughs> so that was game two. You have eight life. This is game three of a deciding mat of a match. Yeah. You have eight life, and if you doomsday, you're going to go to four. Theoretically, you're going to fetch beforehand. I mean, there's no reason not to. Right? Is there? There's well, definitely. No, a reason. no, hold on a sec. Right, because if you go to seven, that reduces you to three. Yeah, you want to fetch post doomsday in this scenario. But all that th- both result in you being at three life. It's just a matter of when you ha- when it happens. Well, the, right, and the, the advantage is that you get to thin with the fetch land. No, I understand. Yeah. So either way, you're going to be at three, combining doomsday and fetch. Yes. You've got how many cards are in your opponent's hand? A lot. He has three cards in his hand and three mountains in play. Two of which are tapped. So immediately you're playing around a bolt, right? Yes. And you've got divert. Yes. So you've got your island. Your basic island is on lockdown to divert this bolt that he's about to play, right? I'm not making any assumptions so far. <laughs> but, so, <laughs> if I was playing against Burn, that would be the That's thing I would be. Is critical. What would yeah. you do, Theo? So you have Dark Ritual, Dark Ritual, Top, Brainstorm, Dark Doomsday, and Divert. And Unearth and the, is already and, in your hand. And Unearth is in hand, and you have a fetch. Play around the bolt. <laughs> so, so how do you do it? What's the plan? You've got double ritual, and as far as I can tell, this the game is going to end this turn. So <laughs> you may as well start by tapping a C and playing double ritual. Okay. Five and, mana. And you've got five mana, which means you're going to doomsday with two black floating. With that black, you've got those earmarked for top and, and unearth, which leaves you with sea, island, fetch land left for mana after you count for top and unearth. But your island is on lockdown for divert, so you've really you got have a fetch land. I know you've got two mana to work with, basically. Not, not counting the fetch, yeah. No, counting the fetch, you've got two to work with, because five black, right? Three of it's earmarked for doomsday, which leaves you with two. One of it's for unearth. One of it's to cast the top. So you've accounted yes. for all your black. Yes. One of your blue. Well, this is your fourth land. So oh, you have I C, see. C C island, and then you're and playing you have the fetch fourth land. land. One of your lands in play is earmarked for that divert. So you're right. You have C C fetch. You have three mana to work with. Right. Remember the basic rule is two draws, two mana. So you need that, but you have a one black already from your ritual earmarked for top, earth. And, top. And, and top. Yeah. So you've got one of your draws accounted for in top. You've got one of your draws accounted for in brainstorm. Assuming you're casting the brainstorm, that leaves you with two mana to work with, including account- the fetch land. Including the fetch land, we've accounted for all the other cards in your hand: divert, top, brainstorm, doomsday, two rituals, unearth. Your whole hand is accounted for. You've got two extra mana to work with, and you're winning this turn. But the trick is, you've got Unearth in your hand, so what pile do you build? Well, here's the thing. In this situation, I was concerned most about Fire Blast. I figure I need to beat two Burn Spells. Right. A Bolt and a Fire Blast. That, so, that, that is, that's, as far as I can tell, the most damage that your opponent can manufacture, right. aside from Pyrokinesis. Okay, well, let's assume the Pyrokinesis... <laughs> he only has three cards in his hand. We can make it two if you'd like. But, but, but you... With pyrokinesis, it's still two threats, and divert can't stop pyrokinesis. So, so you probably need a pack. You need to watch out. You need to have a counter that's flexible enough to stop a targeted burn and an untargeted burn, basically. Right. Or a broadly. So you go burn. dark ritual top, dark ritual, doomsday. Right. Now, what pile do you make? Your stack. You have your hand. You got one black floating. One black floating after yeah. that, and you have in play three lands. One of yep. which is a fetch land. One of which is island and sea. And so, you need the brainstorm to start the pile, probably, to draw the first card post Doomsday, probably. Or, or yeah, you're right. You probably do. 
So you're going to brainstorm to start with, and you want to put a counter in there, and you want Maniac, and you want Mental Note. So we got Maniac, Note, Pact, our three cards. With just those three cards and two blanks, can you just win with Brainstorm? I don't think you can put a counter in the top three. Because what are you exchanging? Everything in hand you need. Ah, I see. This is a very good point. We've accounted for so many cards in playing it, and we've left ourselves with an empty hand, in theory. <clears throat> Would it simplify the scenario if we just made the the uh, brainstorm ponder? Let's do that. Well, no. Be- okay, because I, I, I think, I, think I had brainstorm, but I think so. If we yeah, if we brainstorm, we are still only netting ourselves one card. Right, which you have to draw the mental note. You, you have to draw a mental. You have to note. draw the right. mental note. So then the question is: In order to get packed involved, can you can you hamstring yourself with fewer mana in any other way? I'm pretty sure the pact has to be in the unearth slot. Granted. So you'll granted. mental note into the pact is the plan. I see. the The primary tension here then is: Do you need? What if you don't play the fetch land? Then you will not be able to double counter. Because you need the second divert is the counter spell. Second divert? What if Sorry, it's packed, the, the sec- you need divert. The sec- divert is the second counter spell. You need to be able to divert. So we've got CC Island in play and two rituals. Two rituals basically means plus five mana, right? Yeah, so you go... But you're playing Doomsday this turn, so it's uh, top uh, Doomsday, and the fifth is for Unearth, remember? I, I was wrong. Two rituals is plus four mana. Yeah, it's plus four. So we have seven mana to work with if we don't play the land... And Doomsday is 1, 2, 3, top is 4, Unearth is 5, Divert is 6, Brainstorm is 7. We don't need to play, to do all of that, we don't need to play a land, because we've got exactly 7, but that doesn't account for Mental Note, does it? And no, you, you also, need 8 mana You might to want to play the Fetch Land to, to sh- then your library. Granted. Because that's one life way to remove a card out. Yeah. Instead of two life from a probe. Probe, right. Right. And the Fetch well, Library is getting shuffled, right? Because you've already got to set it up after the Doomsday. Right, you can't yeah. you can't shuffle until you've drawn all but the last card, then you shuffle. Right, then you fetch. Well, you can't shuffle That's at least difficult. until you've cast Mental Note. I guess Resolve Mental Note. Resolve yeah. Mental Note. Yeah. yeah, then you can shuffle. Yeah, because there's only one card left in your library. <laughs> right. Well, theoretically, no. Though you could Mental Note, you could have Mental Note be the second card down post Brainstorm. There's four cards left. There's still th- three cards left in your library. That's you true. could you could sh- Mental Note and then fetch after that. And then top, but you have to go to one to do that because the probe, right? Well, we haven't talked about a probe here yet because you're going to be at three life. (laughs) Yeah, you've already earmarked one of your four life for uh, fetch, Fetch. and you've earmarked another one of your life to stay at one. Yeah, but the other two life are irrelevant. There's no difference between one and three when you're playing against a burn deck. This is true. So you can you can easily probe in this scenario. Okay. I mean, there's unless there's some random burn spell I'm not thinking of, like gut shot. If he has triple gut shot in hand, I mean, shock. <laughs> or bolt. If he has or triple, is actually popular. Yeah, it's if it. he has triple gut shot in hand, do we beat that? I mean, <laughs> throw him and see. Lava dart. Lava dart. <sighs> okay, so the primary tension <laughs> here, the primary tension here then is whether or not you can get double protection. I think you can. I think you, you easily can you get can. double protection and win this turn easily. Okay, so what's your pile then? Brainstorm. Mental note. Sorry, not brainstorm. You already have brainstorm in your hand. Yeah. It's um, mental note, blank, maniac, packed, underground sea. Mental note, blank. That's two. 
Maniac is three. So basically, you only care about four Pact things. and C. And C. <clears throat> you cast Brainstorm, drawing Mental Note, X, and Maniac. Putting back, Putting back X, X and, and Maniac. You cast Mental Note. Mental yeah. Binning them, drawing Pact. Voila, one card left in library. And, it, and underground it's C. Underground C. At which point you activate your fetch land, going to, going to th- three, because you're at four. Yeah, going to three. And your hand is, geez, I'm going to backtrack here now. Your hand is divert, pack, divert, and unearth. And unearth. Pack, divert, unearth. And you have sufficient mana to play the last two spells. And all you have to do then is use the last black to unearth and then activate top to win the game. And you have double counter ready. Yep. Two on two. Um, Why do you seem concerned, Kevin? I'm just trying to think. You, the last spell you're going to play this game, at least by choice, is, is on Earth. Yeah. And which so, you have the one black floating which for. You have one black floating for. But I'm thinking there's a problem if you set yourself up such that you're relying on the the fetched land to cast divert. divert. Why is that a problem? Because your opponent responds to the fetch land by double burning you. And you only have access to one of your two counters at that point if you need that second land. Well, if he if he double burned you, why wouldn't he have just done it on his turn? Uh, if he had the double burn already. Because you had three islands untapped. Or because you were at eight life. <laughs> because you're at eight and life, you had three yeah. islands untapped. I wouldn't yeah. double burn someone in that yeah. scenario, especially not with Fire Blast. Okay. Yeah. So you need to, if you're trying to execute this plan, you need to be very careful that you always have access to the divert so what mana. Is, what is your plan then? Well, I don't know, but it seems like this is a winning plan. I'm just trying to think. You tap a C to double Doomsday. I'm sorry, to double Ritual Doomsday. Play top. top. Play the top first. Well, I know, but so the point is, yeah. you're, you're, that's you're going to have one black floating with Sea Island fetch up, and so yeah, you can't you you can't do it. You need the C that's in your library to cast divert, and you're going to lose if they have double burn in response to your fetch. In response to your fetch. Yeah, because the mana you have floating is black. It needs to be the unearth. It doesn't help you cast divert. You're going to play Brainstorm, tapping your your second C. Then you're going to play Mental Note, tapping your island with Fetchland up. And they're going to be like, okay. So then you you're going to cast... a Pyroblast and a Bolt. Yeah. Any two burn spells. You lose to any two double two, burn that they can play. Yeah, any yeah. two. So you cannot beat two burn spells. I don't think so. We'll Unle- let her- unless... Unless there's a slow roll pile here that we haven't considered. Let's not slow roll burn, because every every spell they draw <laughs> can be a burn spell. Yeah, it's true. So let me tell you, I made the pile I just told you. Yeah. And here is the trick. Okay. When I went to play Mental Note, he cast Pyroblast. Ouch. And you had Divert, which... I couldn't... Well, which I could play, but I have to fetch Shuffling My Library. So it's the same trick, really, is that you need that fetch land to play Divert. So, and he made you play I, at the wrong time. I lost, but I could have won. Okay. Figure it out. <laughs> oh, jeez. So <laughs> you made the pile, which was Note, Blank, Maniac, Pact, C. You you played Doomsday, obviously. You played, I assume you played Top. You had Top in play? Yes, I, I went Dark Ritual, Top, Dark Ritual, Doomsday. Okay. You played Brainstorm. Yes. So you had... Island, you had Island Fetch up at that point, right? Yes, exactly. Uh, uh, see, see, hold on a sec. You played. You tapped a C to play Ritual, Ritual, Doomsday, Brainstorm. 
I do say top, I'm sorry. You tapped basic island to play brainstorm, I'm assuming. So you had C fetch up. Yep. You tapped the C to play mental note, at which point he played pyro. Yeah. So I'm assuming the thing that you could have done is activate top in response. Yes. Drawing. I Drawing can... mental note. No, I can activate top in response. No, let me, let, me, let me just clarify. No. I fetch in response. So you fetched I fetched it. in response. And what actually happened, I'll tell you what happened, and then you can think about what you could <laughs> I fetched in response. I got an underground C. I shuffled. Uh-huh. And I just prayed <laughs> that I flipped the right cards with the mental note. Uh-huh. Of course I didn't. I flipped I flipped the uh, the blank, which was a probe, uh-huh. and I flipped the pact. Right. I drew Laboratory Maniac. Yeah. So all you want to do at that point is get the Maniac in the graveyard? In the yard, because yeah. you have the Unearth in your hand. So you, you have like a 60% but chance. Here's the thing. Here's what you can do. What you can do, that's the, actually the answer, is you fetch out the Underground Sea, then you use the black from the Dark Ritual top, spin top, mm-hmm. making sure that the Maniac is the bottom card of your library. The the bottom card? Yeah, there's only three cards left in your library. But don't you need to... Okay, go on. So you put Maniac at the bottom, mm-hmm. and then you the Mental Note resolves... Sorry, not the bottom. You, I'm sorry, you're absolutely right. The making top. sure that the Maniac is at the top. Yeah. You bin the Maniac, and you, in fact, you can stack it however you like, you're drawing the, the Pact of Negation, right? Right. And then you tap the Underground Sea to play Unearth. And then you only have one counter protection, but at least he's got the one card out of his hand, the Pyroblast, so you have the pack for Fire Blast. Right. And you so, win the game. That's what I should have done, and had I done that, I would have been smooth sailing. How, how did we end yeah. up... It seems like we ended up with an extra mana in that scenario, because you activated top. Because he's put Pyroblast on the stack, so you only need to counter one card now. But you... But we counted the divert as mana that you needed. But you don't need it in this situation. You just use the black mana to spin the top. But what, how do you cast on Earth then? With the underground sea, you don't cast divert ever in this in the in, in the way that resolves. Oh, you didn't cast divert at all, right? Okay, that's you, the thing I was you missing. Use the black mana. That's your underground sea, so it's perfect. I was missing the. Fact, I don't know. why I didn't think of it. I was missing the fact that you weren't casting divert. Right. I'm thinking you're diverting the. Pyroblast is still counting your mental note. Yeah, and you're using top to set up because your mental note is pyroblast. You actually have to. You actually have to. Yeah, uh, wait a second. Did, your mental note got counted. No, 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 no. You're right. You have to. Um, I guess what you actually have to do. Not you're right. You actually. I think what you have to do is you have to put packed on top and activate the. No, no, no. No, that that works. No, you're right. That you're works right. also, but then you just lose the pyroblast because you can't divert. You're spending one of the eight mana we counted to activate top. You can activate. You spin the top, then you activate the top to draw the pact, and then you pack. Pact was the fourth card. Your deck at this point, oh, you're when, you're, right. when you're casting mental note, your no, deck no. at this point is maniac blank. <laughs> but if the blank is some other win. live draw, yeah, I guess that doesn't win. Yeah, I was thinking that it did. Sorry. <laughs> well, that's deflating. So pyroblast means that, yeah. The fact is, is that if they cast the spell at a certain time, well, what I did was I did divert the pyroblast. Yeah, obviously, I yeah. Cast, and then I resolved the maniac, and it, I was just praying that I was going to bend. Well, the maniac. you got a two thirds chance. All yeah, a two thirds chance. I bend the maniac, and then I win right. I win right there. Yeah, I was very disappointed that maniac was my last card. 
devastated. Interesting. I'm sure that somebody at home can think of <laughs> can think of a way out of this situation. Maybe not after you've made the pile that you made. Right. Is there a different pile? Is there a different I'm pile? I'm curious. That... I'd love to know. Is there another better pile? I'm also wondering. Does it matter what the probe blank spot is? Yeah. Because I you could put a probe in a blank because I had three life, so I figured you know, in a pinch. I'll... Yeah. Well, like you said there's no difference between three and one. Exactly. Yeah. So why not put probe in the blank? That's well, why you I typically fetch. Do. So if you're a one and you fetch, no, you're, you're four. four. You're yeah. four. Yeah, I typically put probe as a blank, the blank spell. If you the problem four is the problem is if they have double, um, if they double, if they have burn. double burn and you go to probe them, putting yourself at two, you don't have the other card in your hand with which to, to protect yourself. Yeah, because the probe's on the stack. Yeah. yeah. So you've got to be very careful anyway, this there. This is a very interesting scenario. You definitely, you definitely need to spend any life you're going to spend post-brainstorm. It wouldn't be a So Many Insane Plays podcast if we did switch gears and talks about some vintage scenarios Heck here. Heck yeah. So we've got vintage doomsday scenarios, a couple of them. These are real brain busters. You thought that one where we're playing around bolts was hard? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So and, and sadly, we didn't do this on purpose, but they're both turn one opening hand scenarios. These are real deals here. This first one happened to Steve in a tournament top eight. The last mean deck open, he fans this open, and he, he, he turned to me and said, Take a picture of this, <laughs> because we need to talk about it. You, He fanned open. <clears throat> Force of Will, Gush, Preordain. Doomsday, Yawgmoth's Will, Vampiric Tutor, Scalding Tarn. So there's only one mana in this hand. That's right. I'll do, it, I'll do it one more time. Force of Will, Gush, Preordain. Three blue spells. Doomsday, Will, Vamp. Three black spells. Fetch. <laughs> so we've got... Only two spells here that we can realistically play this on is turn a Joe one. Bushman hand. I know it. <laughs> Our turn one choice really is preordained versus vamp. But then the obvious next question is what are you setting up on turn two? Because when you have Will, Doomsday, and Vamp together, it means the world is your oyster. You can kind of choose <laughs> you can kind of choose your path here. But you only have one land, so the gush you've got is t- is difficult to maximize unless you're putting land into your doomsday which is possible or vamping for land maybe you want to do that route i don't know or willing or yeah just land. willing the fetch land back sure sure this could be a this this whole thing could be kicked off by jogmoss will on turn two instead of doomsday let's talk right off the bat theo you fan this hoping hand wow after you've picked up your brain off the floor <laughs> are you gonna play preordain or vamp on turn one i'm thinking preordain okay you just gonna set yourself up and see what comes. Yeah, see what you got to work with. So you can then maybe vamp on your upkeep and finish it off. Exactly. Go get the lotus that yeah. you didn't preordain into. It gives maybe. you the most options. It gives you a lot of options, that's true. But it also sets yourself up for uncertainty. <laughs> what Steve. do you mean by that? <laughs> it sells yourself up for uncertainty. Well, you could you could get a high. Words, you could play a deterministic game from this point forward, right? You, can get, words, you could. T- that's one of your favorite things about vintage is that vintage right. can be completely deterministic. Like, right. You can there. Can, you could play this hand as though there were no variants, basically, <laughs> yeah, for the rest of the game. Right. Or you can play preordain and just see what happens. So I can. That's what I think. I can play vamp for. I can basically determine my draw for the rest of the game. Uh huh. <laughs> uh-huh. What do you do, Kevin? I. Oh boy, I, I wasn't prepared for that. So, Force of Will, I really like. I like. I actually really like the slow roll of just land go with this. So, oh, so different from Theo, land go. Well, I, there's 
in my opinion, there's no there's no reason to play vamp on your main step. Now that's debatable. Right. There are some reasons. When we to say do that. Lango, I, I basically mean, are you going to vamp on his end step? I'm going to vamp on his end step. That's my plan, and okay. I'm going to make a judgment call based on which of the two other blue cards I've got. I'm going to pitch to Force of Will on their first turn because I'm assuming I'm going to do that. And then it's probably going to be preordained because Gush is so much more powerful in the midst of Vamp and or Doomsday. Yeah. I think there's a very real case to be made, though, for with Theo's preordain, you can set yourself up for something that Vamp doesn't very well, and that's Fast Bond. If you preordain into a second land, yeah. you can be... You can be you can be vamping for fast bond on your upkeep. Exactly. I think that's which what is you're ins- looking for. Which is insane. I think you're right. You're the power of the gush. Hand. So turn one preordain is what you say then. No, no, no. I'm just saying that's the, the power that Theo's hand offers you. Yeah. My play is almost certainly going to result in vamping for Lotus. I mean, there's kind of no way idea. about it. What I did was I went EOT vamp for Lotus, Lotus. And the reason I did that is because I went Lotus will... The reason I did it is because I knew I'd be able to replay the fetch land was, and the lotus. And you can doomsday, so doomsday with Gush, Gush right there. Win. It's a turn two win with Force of Will back up. Right. That's why I did it. Mm, it tricks. And, and you're going through you're going through Yogmoth's will as a pseudo land search plus lotus. Yes. So very interesting. Yes. See, that's why I'm here as the layman. <laughs> <laughs> well, mean decker, school me. <laughs> now it's not to say that your preordained play won't no. also result in you winning on turn two because <laughs> it very well could. Probably will. <laughs> but I'm not uh, a big fan of willing for a mana. <laughs> it's it's yeah exactly You're using a little there almost entirely just yeah, as a land drop. Fetch, that's yeah, what I'm fetch, saying. Yeah. yeah. So, but the, but the reason is because you, you have Doomsday and Gush, which is the turn, which is a win. By well, but what you're what you're really doing though is you're turning Will into Lotus and a land. Wait, is, you're turning you're willing into wait Lotus and a land. I'm not sure that wins because your your Gush pile needs Lotus in it, and your your Lotus is going to be exiled. Exiled. Well, really, but you can make a fast bond fast bond Lotus pedal. Uh, no, you can't. That's only two cards. Wow. Maybe you can't win that way with yeah, your Lotus exiled. Maybe you can't. <laughs> the teacher teach the student. <laughs> the student teach the teacher. <laughs> oh, how the mighty have fallen! Yes. Wait a second. Yeah, that doesn't work. Did you have lion's eye diamond in your? No, no, Negative. obviously okay. not. I didn't think so. I, I thought that's what I did, but now that I think about it. That's disappointing. That's disconcerting. <laughs> so you you so played maybe, this hand in the top eight. You don't remember I don't how it remember went. Remember how it went. Hmm. Did you? Very win? Interesting. I thought yeah, I did win. I think I was playing as elves. I think I won on turn two. Let me guess, Riley. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, there was an elves deck that made top eight at the last mean deck open. Oh, that was my quarterfinals match. And, and Steve showed them what vintage was about. <laughs> uh, 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 well, he he'd be a lot of shop and dredge. That yeah. Day. Elves is relevant, especially if you get. Can you imagine sitting down against elves against with some kind of snapcaster bob list? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you don't have a land that has turn one, turn one or two tinker. You're in a serious bad place because that deck has some cards that you do not want to play against. Want, <laughs> you do not want to play Dark Confidant when your opponent went Lanor Elf Go. <laughs> <laughs> turn one double high arc. <laughs> Didn't go well for me. You lost the elf guy? Yeah, I sure did. Yeah, oh, there's wow. some there's some some certain seven card hands that elves just oh. rolls over. Anyway. So what what do you do here? <clears throat> so let's see, if you go Vamp, Lotus, Will. What about Ancestral? What if you just vamp for Ancestral? The vamp yeah. is in your graveyard when you will. Good call. And it's there before your doomsday to use with gush. Yeah. Maybe so that's, that's what you did. Yeah, I don't think... Maybe I didn't doomsday immediately. Well, you still could, though, because you... 
Turn one, you play a fetch land. On their end step, you break it for a sea or a swamp. <laughs> and you vamp for Lotus. You draw Lotus on turn two. You play Lotus, break it through three black and cast Yawgmoth's Will. You replay Lotus. You replay the fetch. You have two lands Lotus in play. You tap the first land for vamp again. And you put Ancestral Recall on top. No. First you fetch. Sorry. <laughs> then you vamp for L- Ancestral Recall. You pool a blue from your second land, and you gush into Ancestral and X. You now have two lands in your hand in addition to all the other stuff. Ancestral and X. And there's Lotus in play. And you still have Lotus in play, and no man in your pool. If X is a land, you're golden. Or any mana source, you're golden. Because you... You still have a blue in, in your pool. I'm sorry. I, did, I forgot. You pulled a blue in order to cast the Ancestral, but you haven't cast it yet. If you drew a land, then you're golden. Because you What's break, pile? You break, you, the, lotus you break the Lotus doomsday. for Doomsday, and your pile is... Let me write. Your pile is Emerald or Petal. I don't think it matters. Emerald, uh, uh, Fast Bond, Gush. Sick. Piles, Emerald, Fast Bond, Gush, Maniac, Gush. Sick. That definitely does it. You you use the blue you've got, you're out of mana, and you Ancestral into Emerald Fast Bond Gush. You go Emerald Fast Bond, replay the two lands, pool two mana and Gush. Drawing Maniac, drawing Maniac Gush. You replay the two lands again. Wait a second, you don't need a third land. I forgot that you get four mana out of your two lands because you're you're gushing... After replaying them. I forgot, you're gushing after replaying them. That is an unbelievable sequence. Gushing twice? You're, yeah. You, well, you're gushing three times that three turn. Three times. So the thing, I, the thing I forgot was that <laughs> after, you, after you've played the first gush in your turn, you have two lands in your hand, and you've got Ancestral and a blue with your Lotus for Doomsday. Mm-hmm. You go Lotus Doomsday, you have you spend your blue. In your hand you have two lands in your hand. Right. I forgot that you're going yeah. gonna to play them twice, though. Yes. That's the thing. So... Yeah, you you ancestral into emerald fast bond gush. You go emerald fast bond. You've replayed the lands now because of the fast bond in pool two. Then you gush, draw into maniac gush, replay the lands in pool two more. Play maniac. Play maniac gush, gush. and that's it. It Doesn't matter what X card is. So that is a deter- well, that is a deterministic win from that starting have, position. I would never have figured that out in tournament. <laughs> I'm glad we got to and that. He did that all off the top of his head. No, I, hey, guys. I, I, I knew it was the right thing. And it felt right, but I was forgetting that you get to tap those lands twice. Do you feel like we just played in two tournaments? <laughs> <laughs> We've been through a legacy tournament and a finished tournament. <laughs> This is what we talk about. Doomsday, my brain is fried. <laughs> this is what we talk about when we say, no, Steve, this is a great example of what we talk about when we say that vintage games may be only one or turn, two turns long, but they can involve the same number of decisions as a four, five, six turn legacy game, for example, or a 10 or 12 turn standard, standard game. game. Yeah. It's, it's magic time progresses in terms of decisions, not in terms of game mechanics, I say, per se. I'm very glad that you came up with that answer, because I wasn't gonna... And, <laughs> and, and, around. <laughs> and I'm, I'm glad we have this on, on tape, because we are, we are <laughs> for recording. The for the record, we are recording. Yes, sorry everyone who's listening who said that out loud to their iPhone or whatever uh, 15 minutes hey, ago. I created the deck, I didn't think of that. So. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, that's Vintage Scenario 1. Let's move on in the interest that, of time. Oh God. Because we have another opening hand. That was the hand. easiest one. That was the easy one of the two Vintage ones. Oh, this is God. another opening hand. So reset your brain, activate the etch a sketch so that the screen is blank. Shake it up. We're drinking Gatorade or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> have a five hour energy. Have a five hour energy because this is hand two. And again, we're on the play. And again, it's seven cards. 
Those with the vintage hands are so much more complicated than the legacy ones, and the legacy ones are already brain busters. God. <laughs> All right, this it's hand. Like if you, we do, what we need to do is we need to give out difficulty ratings for these scenarios. Oh God! Don't even go there. I got one exploration in my legacy doomsday deck. <laughs> okay, so this hand it's misty rainforest, mock sapphire, black lotus. Force of Will, Gush, Doomsday Demonic Tutor. I'll run it for you again. Three mana sources, Misty Rainforest, Sapphire Lotus. Are so there, only one land, but two big accelerants. Are there three better mana sources? I mean, God. And then Force of Will, Gush, Doomsday Demonic Tutor. And you were, you were two-fisted. You were testing in this game. Uh, this, is, this, this is a testing scenario for me. I was two-fisted testing this deck, and this came up as my opening hand. It's pretty clear off the bat that this hand can't win on turn one it seems like it might you've got five mana demonic tutor and gush with doomsday it really seems like you can't you could win on turn one in vintage so the parameters of it you have five mana so it seems like oh five mana with dt and in and lotus and yeah with lotus is part of the five mana right seems pretty explosive like I could doomsday for Yogmoth's will, kind of explosive. Yeah. Or not doomsday, but DT. And for you Yogmoth's have force will. of will and gosh, so you have protection. Yeah. So let's start. Let's go around again, and we'll start with Theo. Okay. Theo, can I see the? Yeah. Here's the list with the side here. <clears throat> so you're probably going to start by playing the fetch land, the misty rainforest, the sapphire, and the lotus. You, you know, Steve. Right. One of the things I love about this scenario is by so many years of playing workshops. My sequencing for just my mana sources has become so careful yeah. that you say something like, "We're well, obviously you're going to play these three mana sources." I'm thinking, no, oh, which one is first, though? <laughs> because no, with I a force you. of will and a you lotus, probably lead with the sapphire. No, you probably lead with land, then sapphire, then lotus. No, no. It has everything to do with what you're planning to do mm. after that, though, because I'm trying to think about what what my opponent's going to force. I know right. I have my own force, so I'm protected. Right. But what do I want my opponent to force? Right. And what would they force? Right. When you have Lotus and you're planning to play multiple spells possibly on the first turn, these kind of questions become very interesting. And when do you fetch? Mm-hmm. Not Obviously, they're not going to stifle you or something, but when do you fetch in the sequence becomes very interesting as well. <clears throat> I don't see a whole lot here. You're doing turn one, actually. So, so what is your turn one? I guess I go Misty, Sapphire. I don't know if I want to play the Lotus quite yet or not. Mm, See, proves your point. Kevin. See, very interesting. Yeah. I mean, they can just blow it up, or they can do all kinds of stuff. If you're not going to use it, why play it? Are you going to play Demonic Tutor well, on turn one? Well, what if you face uh, Shops and you want the Lotus and play right? Yeah, if you're playing Shops, I get but, that. Okay, right. Are you um, going to play Demonic Tutor on turn one? If I play Demonic Tutor, I think I'm probably going for a fast bomb. <coughs> Looks like I've got everything else in my hand already, but I need a second land though to make the turn on go. <coughs> right. So fast bond is a possibility, but you're going to have to have another way to get your land, yeah. like in I the last I think I'm going to wait till turn two and see what happens. Why don't we brainstorm possibilities, and then we'll just evaluate them. Yeah. So what are all the possible options? He, Theo's plan is... I'm thinking Misty Sapphire, maybe say go. There's not really a whole lot so to do. you're not going to play DT? I don't think so quite yet. I what am I going to DT for? I think that plan has merit in certain matchups, and in other matchups you're wasting an opportunity. For one thing... Well, what land do you fetch? If, I'm not fetching turn one. Well, if you're playing DT, land. though, I mean... Do you... I, I actually very much like his, his plan as well. Okay. That's my initial instinct. Just play my mana and pass. Yeah. So landmarks go. But on, so do you play I'm the Lotus? I'm not sure after consideration that's what 
What is? I mean, because what you draw on turn two will likely affect what your next step is. Right. And you're not actually losing any mana. Well, you are. You're losing the sapphire, and the and the land for the turn. You're wasting two mana. You're wasting that two mana. Yeah. And you don't have any other play on turn one than demonic tutor. So, I guess. Uh, I'm I mean, sorry. With, within reason. <laughs> within within reason. There's, like, there's actually a very reasonable. That what you're demonic I disagree. For. Okay, so here's here's something. Okay, so DT for mental misstep, play Doomsday. You have double protection for your and turn two ancestral recall for the win. That's okay. a completely reasonable sequence. Check you out. <laughs> so landmarks, DT for misstep, Doomsday win I, on I turn two. I learned the tutor for misstep plan from Joe Bushman. He likes <laughs> he likes that. He's like, if I just tutor for the misstep, I'd win that game. <laughs> Okay, that seems like a perfectly cromulent solution. And it's a pretty good one because you're double protected for your second turn. What if you get wastelanded? Then you're then you still have the sapphire to play ancestral. And when, you, when but then you can't gush to win the game, but you'll just have to wait one more turn with the maniac in play. Okay. <coughs> so you you survive a wasteland just takes one more turn, I think. Mhm. And what if you're playing against chops? And well, you have you have then, force for any kind of lodestone. <laughs> yeah, if they play, if you if you do my play and they play Null Rod, you win. Well, you have Force of Will. Yeah, yeah, you have Force of Will and you and Gush. Force and gush? You have yeah. for, your hand is Force Gush Misstep. If you do that, but I if mean, let's just, yeah, I mean that's one. Yeah, Brian, DeMar, do you remember Brian Demar's solution to this? No, I do not. Help me out. He said, um, yeah, so. Okay, so I'll just give you some of the... I believe it involved DT for something esoteric. He said, he said he would, I would DT for Yogg Will. Okay, there you go. I don't consider that well, to be said, too Will, esoteric. Will lets me get a land drop for free next turn and DT again. Paul Mastriano said he would... Um, demonic... He said Demonic for Misstep is interesting, but... He wants to DT for Ancestral Land Lotus Maniac Will. Wow, that's why Paul Mastrano is a champion because his demonic tutor gets him like three or four cards. I mean, that is why that man is so good at vintage. What, what was his? <laughs> he said he said demonic tutor for some sort of protection. Then D D D Day. Sorry, I misspoke. I, I know that's what you were getting yeah. at, but it sounded awesome. Paul <laughs> Mastrano is like Chuck Norris. He just demonic <laughs> tutors for four cards. <laughs> it's like, yeah, deal with it. <laughs> I mean, I. I think all of these things have tutor. lots of merit. I think what what was Paul DTing for? Paul DTs for some sort of protection, so probably misstep as well. And then he D, he does the DT, so he does the same play that I just suggested, which was okay. DT for misstep and then D day. But the point is that he wants to put a land into the D day pile, so that he untaps and he goes ancestral recall off the sapphire land, lotus maniac will. But I would put gush at the end of that pile, so that you ancestral. Wait a second. Oh, Lotus Maniac Will. I got gotcha. you. Wait a second. I got gotcha. Lotus Maniac Will. How does that... Oh, you have the Gush. You You're the holding Gush. gush. Yeah. So yeah. You, you get the second land so you can play Gush. And then you Gush for the win. And then the Will is back up. Yeah. So you D-team for misstep to counter their misstep, is that right? Right, to protect your Ancestral. Yeah. What if they just force your Ancestral? Well, you, you have, have force. force. You have force. Yeah. So, but you're pitching away your gush if you want to make that play. Yeah. So So I'm not sure it's. it's, So we have to answer the further question: What's the doomsday pile? You make. Yeah. Must be a psychic. He's detaining for (laughs) a (laughs) mistake. I don't know. That's not terribly psychic and vintage. 
Not when you're trying to win with your own ancestral. Well, well, it's not dead because it pitches the force. Yeah, exactly. Holding the gush. So you pitch the misstep. It's still a gambit, though. There are certain two-card combinations your opponent could have, which you have to be very careful about playing around. So so let's let's step away from that possibility. So the one is the aggressive pile where you DT for the misstep and you go for Doomsday immediately. Mm -hmm. Then there's the intermediate step, which is Brian DeMars is just DT for Will. And then there's... Theo step, which I think is also attractive, which is just play your mana and pass. Yeah. So, what are you de- hoping to gain with the play mana pass play? More information. Information. You just continue. I mean, the assumption. Okay. The assumption is that with the Doomsday deck, you have a higher density of of threats and counter magic. Mm-hmm. So, as the over the course of the game, you will have the advantage. That's I think what you're hoping to gain is you're you're sort of game planning that. Look, my deck is far denser than yours. Because I'm using the Gush Bond engine, I have fewer mana sources, and I have far more counter magic. So the, the longer this game goes, the better off I'll be. That 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 makes complete sense as long as you're not playing against Dredge or Shop. Yeah. It seems like Doomsday is all about information too. You want to know, yeah, what your opponent has, what you're playing against. If you're playing against you the don't blue deck, half cocked and know what. It's true. I mean, you want to. So I think there's yeah, real like... merit to that. But what about Brian DeMars's play for D team for? Yog will. His idea is that you can turn to Yog will, then you can probably just win, right? Uh, you'll be able to replay your land. You'll have access to DT for fast bond and and whatnot. And you'll have another draw stat. You'll have a card. Yeah, you you'll draw an additional card. Yeah. yeah. If it's blue, then you're totally golden because then you can pitch the blue spell to force and gush post doomsday for the yeah, win. Because I get you a second land, right? You're replaying your fetch land off the will. Oh no! But then we run the same problem we had in the previous scenario, which is that if you if you use the the Lotus, if you will Lotus Doomsday, then you've exiled the, the Lotus. So it's the same, exact same scenario we had in the pre, the previous scenario. And you're using Lotus to DT again? The Doomsday. Doomsday. But you can DT. Either way, Lotus so is the, gone. Yeah, either way, Lotus is gone. But, I mean, you have two mana to DT. Kevin's crunching some numbers here. Yeah, I'm just I'm thinking about the, the turn to Yogmoth's um, will. What it, what possibilities you have, and the turn to Yogmoth's will is attractive because you get you get the difference between five and six mana is actually very significant but, in this scenario. But the problem is that you lose the Lotus again. You exile the Lotus after when you play Doomsday. Yeah, but we already Solve we solved that. for that in this one. And this has more mana than that does. Solved? I wouldn't say solved. I'd say we came to one resolution, but I'm not sure that's necessarily I, applicable here. I be- well, why wouldn't it be? I mean, that scenario, you were casting Doomsday with only Ancestral in your hand and a blue floating in that scenario. I mean... But we don't have an Ancestral in hand in this scenario. Well, but your Yawgmoth's will on turn two is going to involve Demonic Tutor. But you're going to be playing Gush to draw the first two cards. So you're going to have a different kind of library. What if your Underground Sea gets wasted? Or stripped? Well, Let's. Just, I mean, we can address that. But. Yeah, we can address that, and and that's something that's worth playing around is whether or not you can do whatever we're talking impossible. about doing by How fetching a basic swamp. Conditions. You can off a of misty. Oh, you're right. That's Thanks. what I'm saying. It's, it's a misty This is why I would like. Fetching a sea. I would like to see chess style magic uh-huh. <laughs> with a clock instead of. Well, we have laid out a couple of perfectly valid scenarios here, and at this point. We can debate their various merits. It's pretty clear that you can get a deterministic win on turn two. So, so in let, my let, let's go through that because I, I'm not sure. I think that there's a big difference between the previous scenario and this one. And the difference is that 
you're, tr- you're triggering the post doomsday draw with gush. Oh yeah, that not, is a big difference. And, but the and reason you're only two cards, not the three. reason that was a problem before, is because we didn't have enough mana. So this so one has walk, more walk mana. Walk me through the solution. What is the deterministic solution? So, turn one demonic tutor for Yogmoth's will. Yeah. Turn two Yogmoth's will. You play Lotus will, and, you and your, mana, your mana is six mana post will because you have land, two land, two land, the sapphire, sapphire and a lotus, and a lotus. Okay, now what do you do? <laughs> now you sacrifice the lotus and you play Doomsday. Uh, yeah, okay. So you sacrifice the Lotus, you play Doomsday, you've got, let's you say, could, it's just two Cs and a Sapphire. Doomsday, the Demonic Tutor shuffled back in your library. Just keep that in mind. From the graveyard. Yeah, well, from the graveyard. I'm, so I'm you sorry. you lose the do- Demonic Tutor. You can't DT for... But, but you have Gush in hand. And well, hold, hold on, slow down, slow down. There's a, there's an inherent assumption you're making there, which is you're playing Doomsday before you play Demonic Tutor. But you just play Dogmoth's Will, so you can play DT before sure. them. So you could DT for Ancestral. You could, DC, you could DT for Fast Bond. Okay. <laughs> and you have a second land in and play, have, and you have a gush in your hand. But, the, but it gives you a soft spot. The soft spot is one of what, they force what, your gush. Well, also another soft spot is what do you gush into? You've you've taken away the deterministic part. So that is a possibility, but it it leaves you undetermined. Then you're gushing into mysteries. Yeah. Let's see. We have six well, mana. We have hard. Lotus, Land, Land, Sapphire. You can DT for Ancestral, and then. In doing so, it's the same as vamping for Ancestral in the previous example. So we find ourselves exactly in the same solution as the prior example. You play DT, and you have Gush in your hand, which we had last time. You have Ancestral now in your hand, and you have a blue in the form of Sapphire or C, and you have Doomsday. It's, that's the same exact solution as so last time. five cards? Uh... <laughs> Referring to my previous one, they were Emerald, Fast Bond, Gush, Maniac, Gush. It's the same so, execution. You just Ancestral into Emerald, Fast Bond, Gush. So you DT'd for the Ancestral. Yeah. And then it's, you play Doomsday. Yeah. And then you play Ancestral drawing Emerald, Fast Bond, Gush. It's the same as Emerald, last time. I know, I'm just going through it. Emerald, <laughs> Fast Bond, Gush. Gushing again. Two. You have two lands coming to your hand. Yeah. You, and em- then, you go Emerald, Fast Bond, you replay your lands, tap them for two, play your Gush. Pick yeah. up your lands, draw Maniac Gush, replay your lands, tap for the third mana, and play Maniac Gush win. Yeah. With right. Fast Bonds, or with Force of Will. Wow. Uh, except, no, you you don't have Force back That's in this exactly. version. That's That's exactly the, no, it's exactly the same execution. It's just you had six mana with DT, whereas before we had five mana with Vamp. No, but in the previous scenario, we get to pitch preordained to Force. No, I understand. So this, this one has one, less protection. Yeah, it's not as... So I don't like that. But in this case, you're choosing your fate more, though, because you, you have more mana... And so we just went with DT for Yawgmoth's Will, which is effectively the same as Vamp for Yawgmoth's Will in the pri- previous one, although we didn't have a Mox. I think I'm going to... the same conclusion, basically. I think I'm probably going to do Theo's play. I'm just going to play lands and pass. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to DT. Doomsday wants information. you got to know which it's information hungry, it seems like. I mean, because if you, if you draw Counter Magic, you're, then you can do the same thing, one turn delayed. Yeah. If you drew a bl- blue spell, you do the same thing, one turn delayed. Yeah. Because if you draw it, land... Then you're really in business, right? Because if you doomsday and they interrupt you, it's game over, right? No, not in vintage. Not in the vintage, the vintage, for example, if they, it depends where they counter. If they counter the maniac, you lose. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. If they counter the gush, then next turn you just draw maniac and then gush the following turn. You're yeah. fine. Seems like there's no they, downside to they just. They have to know exactly what to do. Yeah. If they counter the ancestral, then you're you're you have three dead draws. It's really bad. <laughs> it's really ugly. But you could still win that game. It's just you can not, still win that game, it's but low it's, it's ugly as hell. Yeah, you probably actually want to put the gush above the emerald and fast bond 
in the Oh, cloud. yeah, absolutely I would, yeah. because that gives you the most resiliency to disruption. Yeah. And you could speed back in. Right. Absolutely. So I think... Uh, so you think Gush... I think... The Gush, Fastbond, Emerald... Or Gush, Maniac, Gush, Gush, Emerald, Gush. Emerald. Yeah. yeah. So you, you bookend your piles with Gushes. Yeah. That's kind of funny. It is. <laughs> um, I, I kind of I like the just play the mana go. There's another scenario that's less deterministic again that some players might be attracted to, and that's turn one ancestral. Play your Lotus, break it for black, it's DT just, for ancestral, play your Sapphire ancestral without even playing your it's land. It's too risky in this environment with mental missteps all over the place. Well, you, well, you do have force protection at that point between right, flood, fast or force of will and gush. And then you lose the Lotus if you do that. You do lose your Lotus. Yeah, You're trading your Lotus for three, three Lotus blanks. Lotus is way too valuable. I would not you're do. pitching a gush to a force, so you're well in theory not really netting to protect it. Cards. I would well, not, I wouldn't do that. You're That's... still plus four. You're still plus four mystery cards when you start your next turn. So with you're trading three cards, doomsday three and two mana. And life. I, I'm with you. I like the more deterministic play here as well. But also, when you pass the turn, when you play Landmox Go and not play Demonic Tutor or Doomsday, are you? still setting up for winning on the next turn? I mean, do you expect to win on turn two in that scenario? If I do what? If you just play Landmox Go. Not necessarily. I would I play Landmox Lotus Go. That's what I would do. Okay. But you know what? I'm kind of intrigued by... What if you just go turn one do- Demonic Tutor for Yogg Will, and then you just use the Yogg Will to replay the fetch and the DT? So just to generate a little bit of card advantage, but don't plan on Doomsdaying just yet. Well, sure. A that, turn will have passed, so you have much more information about how valid that is. Yeah. Are you still losing Lotus not so long? I, I, uh, yeah, you are. Yeah, you're replaying the Lotus, but you won't yeah. you won't exile it then because you're passing the turn at the you end of that turn. Oh, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. You're not active. You're not using the Lotus. Yeah. I see. Just DT fetch land. Yeah, so I'm using land, Will just to replay and DT probably you fetch get, land. Probably you get Ancestral. Yeah. And then that I think that puts you in a really strong position. It's just, it, Yogg Will is just card advantage there. Mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of players who'd be really attracted to that. And there's lots of plays by your opponent, if they're unknown, that would make that even more attractive. I might just DT for, like, Flusterstorm or something there. Yeah. Not even I like that better than Mental Misstep. Well, well when, you're trying, scenario, to, yeah. when yeah. you're trying to win aggressively, you need the free counter. Right. But well, if you're sl- playing more of a slow roll, DT for fe- Flusterstorm is just fine. It also depends, what did you draw in turn two? If you drew... Right. so you'll have... You'll have Plus three cards. I mean, yeah, three new cards. But if you if you play, or plus, if you play land, cards. fetch it for a C. Sapphire DT will Lotus go. You fe- pass the turn with will in hand mm-hmm. and and Lotus in play. Right. And next turn you use the will. No, but the point is, um, what your opponent does is key. If your opponent plays Delta go. That changes things dramatically. That increases the the value the value of the slow roll, in my opinion, a lot more. Right. So if your opponent plays Delta Go, and you draw on the second turn any kind of protection spell, Flusterstorm, another... another Force, a Misstep, or something even more bombastic, then Lotus, just for the value, and DT for Ancestral there becomes insane. Or if you draw a blue spell, period. Yeah, then you sure. have the Then you have the Gush, then the, the weak... Yeah, then the weak link is no longer a weak link. Oh, that's a good point. If you draw a random blue spell, you could you could Lotus Will DT for Fast Bond, play your second land, Fast Bond, replay your lands, go. 
with force up and two new cards in your hand. And and who knows? And Doomsday still. Yeah. You could be set up for Doomsday with, with uh, counter back the next turn. Could be. Well, for those of you listening to this, there are as many opinions as you can count, I think, on this one. So let us know what you thought. Exploded at this, point. <laughs> <laughs> this this scenario here is a litmus <laughs> test for what kind of player you are, what kind of environment you play in. <laughs> Your approach. This podcast is gonna kill some people. <laughs> How many heads have exploded out there? Alright, let's let's end on one that's not nearly such a brain buster, all right? <laughs> for those of you who watched the coverage for the Bazaar of Moxon, and I think this doesn't include either of you. Steel, did you watch the finals? The dredge guy yeah. you're talking about? Yeah. Did you watch game three? Um they all kind of Okay, that's fine. <sighs> game three. You are in the last this game. This is our final scenario of the evening. Yeah, of yeah. You're playing workshops, right? Espresso stacks, basically, against Dredge, and it's game three, and you're on the draw, and you fan open this hand. Thorn of Amethyst, Sphere Resistance, Lodestone Golem, Mishra's Workshop, Ghost Quarter, Worm Coil Engine, Strip Mine. So four lands and three threats? Three three lands, four threats. Okay. One more time with just sorted. Mishra's Workshop, Ghost Quarter Strip Mine, those are your three lands. Thorn of Amethyst, Sphere Resistance, Lodestone Golem, Worm Coil Engine. This is your seven card hand, what do you do? You keep that hand or mulligan? This is game three. This is game three, so and you're on the draw mind. against Dredge. And you know the dredge, what the Dredge player is playing, because it's game three. And, right. you, and you won game two. I yeah, see. and you won game two. So you got three mana at most. No, you've got a workshop. That's what I'm saying. You've got three lands. He said three mana. Three mana. Oh, I see. You got a workshop. On turn one, you've got three mana. Yeah, you've got two spheres, a thorn, and a worm coil. Gotta play a sphere, right? (laughs) The question is first: Do you keep that hand? Oh, Um, yeah. Interesting. I think you have lodestone, right? So turn two, you have a lodestone. Yeah, it's true. But you're on the draw against Dredge. You have two strips. I think so. I got two spheres, facts. It's important to note that this is. I don't think he's going to win on turn one. No, it's important to note too that this is no dread return dredge. This is the super consistency dredge with Icarid and blood ghasts. Yeah. I would definitely mulligan that hand. I'm looking for graveyard hate. Period. Period. I mean, I do see what you're saying. I mean, you got. Turn to Golem. Plus, you get a draw too, right? So you could waste. You're on the draw, so you got a draw. So yeah. you could waste him. Are you going to waste the land, or is your plan just depends on if he plays a bazaar or not? Well, assume well, he plays a bazaar. It's Dredge, yeah. and he's in the finals. Yeah, <laughs> he's going to play a bazaar on turn one. Are you going yeah, to ghost quarter his? You're going to ghost quarter his bazaar? I don't think I'm going to ghost. We have strip, right? Well, irrelevant. The difference Both is the same, right? right? Irrelevant. Unless he boarded in a mountain. <laughs> Ah, decisions. Do I want to strip it or do I want to play a sphere? I think I want to play a sphere. So he's going to play, you're going to play Thorn, right? You're going to play Shop, shop Thorn with the plan of turn two Golem. Yeah, yeah you got to play Thorn if you want to play turn yeah. two Golem. And hope, hopefully get another, the mana to play the Coil, Worm Coil. Yeah. I just straight mulligan that hand. I don't even think that's keepable. What do you think? <sighs> does it change? Does it change your answer to know that this workshop player really only had four cages in his board for this matchup. 
I guess information is knowledge is power. His sideboard had a whole bunch of blanks, two tabernacles, which I'm guessing he brought in, right, and four cages. The tabernacle it. is not going to stop Icarid, but it will stop blood gas. And it will, and it hurts. It helps bridges, and it, and it, and it helps bridges, and it deals with narcomiba. Yeah, too. tabernacle is relevant. So, I'm, I'm expecting he brought them in. I just think that. Okay, let's look at it. Is a six-card hand that has a shop worse than the seven-card hand? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think I'm going to mulligan. I'm with you. I'm mulligan this hand. What are you hoping to get? A cage? Yes. Absolutely. Yes, I'm hoping to get a cage. <laughs> what if he just blows it up? No, no, no. no you lead with the spear, and then you put the cage in play. Yeah. Yeah. You it, can't. Why not? No, with a sphere, I mean, it depends yeah, on what your mana is. I'm going to play turn one sphere, turn two cage. Good yeah. game. Oh, Go turn home. one sphere. I thought you yeah. meant sphere, cage. No, no, I'm getting... this workshop. No, I'm saying I'm going to... Or... I can play turn three cage. It I doesn't mean, matter. It, you just need a cage. If you've got a workshop, you just play them both. But the point yeah, is, yeah. You, you protect your sphere with a cage on turn one. Well, you can't play both cage and sphere. Off a turn. workshop? Yeah. You play sure you can. First, oh, I'm sorry, my bad. <laughs> you're not, for, you're not yeah. fighting force of will. Yeah. <laughs> you're fighting yeah. sorcery yeah, speed. You're right, you're right, you're right. So... Yeah, exactly. I snap Mulligan this hand. I, I, I tend to... I, I mean, Theo's made me slightly reconsider it, but I my initial instinct is you've got to throw this back. Mm-hmm. This is game three of the major tournament. You cannot expect to win without dedicated hate. Again, it, it's, I think it's I'm very... Five. I think it's very important to note that we're playing against max consistency dredge here. This is a deck that doesn't lose to spheres. I mean, Unlike dredge return decks that are trying to be more explosive and play more spells, this deck is going to beat you if they play no spells the whole game. You're in game three of the largest vintage tournament in the world. It yeah. shops does mulligan very well as well. Yeah. It does. Espresso stack as well. Shops, no, shops mulligan very know. well. I believe it. And the cards you're looking for cost one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would be happy with it. I would be, I think, satisfied with the tabernacle in my hand, too. Because oh, yeah. I could play a sphere and then the tabernacle. A ta- and, and then monsters. A so. tabernacle is a great turn one play when they go bizarre. Because yes. they go bizarre, they're hoping they, to... Bizarre into Narcomiba to do more tricks yes. and stuff. And if you play yeah. tabernacle, it's like destruction against that. I'm definitely mulliganing. Well, Tabernacle's no good until their next upkeep, right? Right. That's the, the point, point, though. Is that they're on the play. Right. So they go Bizarre, go. You go Tabernacle, go. They go Bizarre, put in two Marco well, on would be my a upkeep. Cool board state. I know. <laughs> Talk about. <laughs> so, uh, but on their upkeep, then the, both those Narco, all the Narco they just right. put they into play, play died. Yeah, it's it's awesome. And then, or if they have a, if they have a bridge, it's yeah. hit or miss. I mean, you're expecting their creatures to die anyway, but they at least don't get a, they don't get yeah, to attack you. But look what that. happens though. If they let's say they have this amazing bazaar for double bridge, double narco, right? And on their upkeep, they get four zombie tokens, and they say go. You play workshop sphere or whatever, and say go. On their upkeep, all those zombies just die. Right. The tabernacle is incredible against them. Yeah, I think the key to this scenario is that. You can mulligan to a four of. The cage is so powerful and mm-hmm. so potent mm-hmm. that you don't need to lead with it. That you can lead with the sphere effects to protect it yeah. and then put the cage into play and expect to be in that game. Yeah, absolutely. And to develop at least a stalemate board position. After board, though, they've got, what, at least eight answers to right. the cage. They but I'm saying you've got to lead chains. with spheres. But that, sphere fights all of those. Right. You, you, you'd be insane. Okay you'd be insane to go, like, strip mine. You would be insane to go wasteland cage. That would be insane. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're right. going to do is you're going to protect it, shield it with your spheres. But, no, t- to your... 
this to your point though, Theo, if you just play out spheres, they don't need to play any spells. Yeah, they're just going to kill if, you. That's the thing about spheres, spheres don't is do all, if all you do is play spheres, they become all irrelevant. They're right? just going to Icarid and Bloodgast you to death and kill you very quickly. Yeah, they're going to have 20 guys in play Within, in two, by two turn turns. Three, yeah. Yeah, if, if all you do is play sphere. So you need to have both in order to impact them, but you need to lead with the spheres. And that deck has... So if they're not playing any spells, how does the Graftriggers cage help if they're just going to make a bunch of tokens? They can't... The graf- they can't make tokens with a cage in yeah. play. They, yeah. All of the scenarios that lead to all getting the, the tokens cr- are cut off. Gotcha. Narcomoebas can't come into play. Icarids and Bloodcasts right, can't come into play. play yeah. from the, from the so there's, they have no guy. They have to cast guys <laughs> to make tokens in that scenario. Yeah. I was just thinking they can't play from the graveyard. I, I think right. from the library can't come into it play. becomes very tricky, though. I think there's a so it could be some very interesting scenarios as to sequencing. Oh yes, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I mean, so imagine you have a wasteland. You know, you're you're you you mulligan to six, and your hand is like wasteland, graft diggers cage. Shop, sphere, golem, or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, and you have, oh, you have one other card, like a another sphere. What do you do? Do you wasteland the bazaar first, or do you play a sphere first? Well, that's exactly the situation that this player was faced with, and he chose to waste on the first turn. And he, here's why I would, might do that. This guy's list has four petrified field. Yeah, which means that my concern is that he can have a second bazaar on turn three. Yeah. You know, if he can just dredge another bazaar into his yard, then he'll play the field and have another, you know. The thing is, this that's a two-way street, though. Because, yes, it is. Because he's got petrified I, fields, you're not buying yourself much with your wastelands. Right. He's got far more I, bazaars than you have wastes. I don't know what you do. I don't, I don't Well, I think you mulligan this hand as well. No, but do. I'm saying but if you have a mulligan this <laughs> Oh, from a sequencing standpoint, yeah. yeah. Well, this game went, this player kept this hand. Dredge player played a bazaar on turn one, obviously. The, the workshop player drew an emerald, which imme- immediately gave him the option of turn one lodestone. So the very choice you're debating, this player was faced with, because he could play sphere, thorn, or lodestone. Lodestone, yeah. Or he could play waste versus uh, yeah. or, or ghost quarter. He chose to strip the bazaar. Dredge player dredged up a narcomoeba on that in response to that, and then played a second bazaar on turn two. Unbelievable. And just and it was and just dominated, yeah. yeah. Dredge. Yeah. But I'm with you, Steve. I looked at that hand and thought, yeah, this does some disruptive stuff, and it has some plays, but I, I can't rely on this without my cage. I mean, I, I think from a specific tactical perspective, it's just insufficient. Yeah. It's insufficient to the needs of the situation. But I think more symbolically, it's a fool's foolhardy mm-hmm. to... I mean, you're in the finals of a major tournament, it's game three. Mm-hmm. It's almost arrogant to think that you're going to be able to, you know... I also arrogant only having four hate cards against Dredge. That's arrogant. <laughs> Unless he was counting Tabernacles, too, which, now that I analyze it some more, I think, I think they, they make I think they, they make are. a good hate card also. But that's yeah. only six, and I think this player was unprepared for this matchup in the end. He got that damn far. Well, also, I think, after watching games one and two, game two especially, I have a feeling that this player may have overvalued... Uh, Worm Coil Engine, actually, and Lodestone, because he won game two by basically playing out guys and just his guys being so much better. His opponent got to double block a Lodestone at one point with some zombies yeah. and get rid of it, but Worm Coil Engine put him up into the high 20s so he, in life and kept going. You're saying he overvalued? I think he overvalued Lodestone plus Worm, Sto- Worm Coil in this hand based mm-hmm. on what happened in game two. Right. 
Because Wormclaw seems like it could be very effective in the mid game if you've gotten everything else under control. If, yeah, that's right. If you slowed, if you're on the play and you slowed them enough with a waste in a sphere, even without hate, Wormcoil becomes effective if you yes. get it online fast. Right. Because but it, this hand doesn't get online fast. No, not at all. Not at all. Well, thank you, Theo, for joining us for our our scenarios here. No I think problem. your input was very valuable. Pleasure was all mine. <laughs> <laughs> And I think we'll close this time by saying thank you, everyone. And the next time we do this podcast, it probably will not be in person. And it's episode 16. That, that's true. We will definitely do an in-person podcast at Gen Con. Oh, yes. I think and that's going to become an annual treat. <laughs> Nemo uh, Paul stories. Yeah, we, we do. There's plenty of those. Uh, yeah, we do. Dude is a trip. We'll get some more interviews with some prominent vintage community members. We hope you made it through this podcast alive. <laughs> <laughs> I did. My head is still intact. This, yep. I know, is probably the biggest brain busters we've ever had. So, for those of you who are following along, I hope you took notes. I should have said at the start of the show to get a pen and pencil and, and dig in. <laughs> you <just catch>. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, but you, sh- you can put that in the thing at the beginning when you submit it. Just that's get your right. Pad and paper and get your pad and paper ready for episode 15. <laughs> I think Tuesday I will be that. episode. <clears throat> in more ways than one. Yes. Jeez. So, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at many insane plays. You can email us at so many insane plays podcast at gmail.com. And if you have scenarios you'd like us to discuss or questions, send, send those both and we will take them up. Oh, yeah, we got a lot of the feedback. A lot of the questions about Doomsday came from our Twitter and email accounts this time, so thank you for that. On behalf of Steve and Theo, and until next time, we wish you many insane plays. Yeah.